Mofax with Adam Curry for June 6, 2022, episode number 82. Class is in session once again, everybody. Hey, is it uh, Saturday yet? Or Oh, wait. <laughs> I'm Adam Curry coming to you from the heart of the Texas Hill Country. Time once again to spin the wheel of topics from here to Northern Virginia. Please say hello to my friend on the other end, Mr. Mofax. How you doing, Adam? I'm doing good, Mo. Uh, sorry about Saturday. <laughs> hey, man, you got flat tires. You got to do what you got to do. It was it was literally one of the worst timed moments of the day because I got travel. You know, I live in the hill. I live in the sticks now. Now all of a sudden, a car is like important, whereas it used to be. Oh, I just grab an Uber. Now you feeling my pain? Can't, there is no Uber. There is no Uber. There is no high speed internet. So welcome, welcome to the sticks. Yeah, and we have we do have cable modems, so we're we're a little bit uh, ahead of you there. But and we do have Zachary, Zachary's pick em up service. But I don't know what he charges to get to go to go into Austin. Hey man, uh, good to talk to you though. I'm ready for another episode. A lot of people are. We are. Uh, we just been jonesing for what is coming next. Last <laughs> the last show. Uh, Q holy crap! I mean, th- that stuff just blew everybody's mind. That was so good. That rabbit hole, I mean, I'm trying to tell you, I, it's so many twists and turns. I could have went there. I still got the lost tapes to give to the people for a couple episodes, but we're gonna get that done. Just for a quick update, been working on the business, um, just getting the, the baseline income set set up so I, we can make this long haul. With the podcast and uh, everything's going good though. Excellent. From my side, we've got uh, uh, the live podcast stuff actually working now, and I would say if you're up for it, in uh, so maybe by the next time we record in two weeks, we could mm-hmm. also we could do it live audio. I'm not quite ready for video yet, but we could do it live audio if you if you like it when we, when we record. We had to see about that. <laughs> No, nah, because you know this is an insulated conversation. So I'm gonna think that's uh... either way. We're getting ready for okay. uh, for some live stuff. Even if that's if it's lost tapes, that's fine for me too, brother. That's fine for me too. I think that'll be the next thing we do because uh, I'm I'm, I'm ch- champing at the bit. Yes, uh, to get on get on the live stream. And we're doing the same for today's topic. So why don't I uh, spin this puppy up? This is the uh, wheel of topics. We spin it every 14 days. Round around it goes. Where it's Nobody knows. Mo knows, of course. The topic for Mo Facts with Adam Curry, episode number 82, is... You can't make this shit up, people. You can't make it up. Hmm. Yeah, as I mentioned on the last show... Oops, sorry, <laughs> yeah. As I mentioned on the last show, we lost the... Um, oh, yes, Kevin. A fellow uh, brethren on the YouTube side. Yes. Uh, uh, Mr. Kevin Samuel, so I thought it appropriate. We give him a homegoing service, and I know a lot of people are like, uh, uh, no, don't do it. Uh, but as we do here, we humanize everybody. Now, hold on and a sec. Hold, hold on a sec. Why, why are there people saying, oh, no, don't do it? Is there something in- oh. incredibly wrong about uh, giving this man uh, the honor he deserves? In the vein of Kanye, 45 Savage, he's such a polarizing figure that he triggers people with his approach or he did. Uh, and what I hope to do is just highlight what he was, I think he was trying to bring to people's attention in a very, uh, boombastic way. Okay. But as we have seen, he was very disrespected, <laughs> uh, when he passed, 
And I want just to bring that to light. It's going to be some political stuff. I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a rabbit hole. So, um, now, now for, we, for, for people who have no idea who Kevin Samuels is, maybe you should just, is, oh, is that apparent maybe in, uh, in your setup here? Just so people understand. Let, let, I think we can get into two and I can answer in, any other questions on the backside of that. For High Plus News, I'm John Abba. Unfortunate news coming out of Atlanta. Social media star and relationship guru Kevin Samuels has reportedly passed away. On Thursday morning, it was reported that Samuels was found unresponsive in his apartment, which would spark rumors of his passing. No official word has come from Samuels or his team addressing the rumors, but upon research, it appears that the at times controversial online star has passed away. Revolt Black News has confirmed from reliable sources. One user would go on to write in Samuels' comments following his most recent post on Instagram, then this man just passed away. The question will be followed by another user who will go on to confirm the reports. Yeah, he did this morning. My husband was one of the officers who secured the building he stayed in. Another user will go on to share that Grady Hospital paramedics were on the scene. Several online users immediately wanted to verify if the news was true, including Hot 97 host Ebro, who would go on to ask, did the internet kill Kevin Samuels or is it real? Anyway, it should be said he made broke dudes and women in denial think again about their range. Samuels will mostly be known as an advocate for men and coined the term high value man, which at times will put a spotlight on his reasons why some women struggle with dating and marriage. At the height of his career, Samuels will go on to gain a following on YouTube with over 1.4 million subscribers and 1.1 million on Instagram. This past February, Samuels would even team up with rapper Future for his music video, Worst Day. Before becoming a relationship guru, Samuels would get his start in men's grooming and fashion with reviews on men's cologne on his now popular YouTube channel. It appears that in 2017, Samuels would seemingly shift his focus on dating advice. Okay. All right, so Kevin Samuels, the the way I know of Kevin Samuels is his uh, cologne videos. I'm a huge cologne fan. Cologne? cologne? Yeah. Uh, yes. Of, of the smell, the, the perfume oh, cologne? Yes. Oh, what? Yes. Uh, <laughs> okay, Mo. Uh, I, I, we've known each other so long, and yet I discover new things every day. Yeah, so that's how I knew of him before he pivoted into the relationship guru and quote unquote self help. I would say or critique, uh, image consultant, that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. I knew of him. So to see him go from, you know. 20, 30,000 followers to get to 1.4 million in itself is amazing. Mm-hmm. And he did it. He was like a shooting star because he only, I think he had on like maybe during the pandemic is when he blew up. Mm-hmm. So maybe he had a couple of year run. So I just want to lay that out there. But the his style of what he did was very polarizing. It was very Triggering, I guess you could say now, that. Now, and, would, and intentionally now, so. Now, if, intentionally from, so. From what I've seen of him, mm-hmm. he would uh, talk about. Uh, I mean, I, I think I've heard very similar themes from you. Like, hey, he really wanted black men to marry black women. Uh, he would explain to black women what a what a good black man was, how a black man could be a good black man to a black woman. This, by the way, by itself is polarizing language to some, of course. But is that is that kind of where it was where he was coming from? Yeah, but then he also did ratings, looks, <laughs> hot uh, or not like stuff. Kind of, yeah. But it was, <laughs> but he okay. did. The thing was, every woman he talked to called him. That's the that's the that's the sure, rule about sure, it. Sure, of course. And he had this like night 
I don't know. You you're the pod father. You're saying you you're the podcast expert. Would you consider his to be a podcast or? I don't know if you saw many of his shows, but it well, was more to me, it felt like a night night show. Well, it was first of all, he was doing it live on YouTube, right? Right. Yeah. So the, it was much more of a Venus flytrap, uh, midnight show, call in show, kind of nineteen seventies type of vibe. Hey, baby, and let me tell you what's wrong with you. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> yeah. Here's so why. Was- here's why it's not working out for you, baby. <laughs> So what I want to do is I don't want to talk about too much. I want to lay it out uh, just so we can get to every point. But one of the points was the hate that he received and his death. Was it appropriate? And what was the reasoning behind it? So now we're going to go over to D.L. Hughley (laughs) and he's going to talk about the response that uh, people celebrating Kevin Samuel's death. So, uh, of course, uh, we were all greeted with the news of Kevin Samuel's uh, passing. Um, and it's interesting because uh, we had just previously, the previous week on Wednesday, we had uh, one of the DLQs we did was about the last statement that I was aware that he made. Uh, one of the things broadcast he, uh, he, he performed was uh, when, he had, when he said that basically if you're 35 years old uh, and you're not married, you are a leftover, which is indicative of the kind of things <laughs> that he used to say. As a matter of fact, uh, when I first heard of him, I was uh, with my road manager and he had he was listening to something he said. And it struck me as cruel and unnecessary. And uh, subsequently, I've heard a lot of things um, that had come out uh, that, that seemed to have that same tone. And so, uh, you know, when he died, I felt really bad because I, I thought, um you know, even in death, uh, that some of the comments were just so vitriolic and so acrimonious. I thought that they didn't necessarily fit the crime. Um, I thought that it was just unnecessarily crude. The man had run his race. Everything was over. Um, he wasn't a rapist or a murderer or a child molester or anything of that sort. But whatever he did, uh, it, it stirred up this kind of these strong feelings of vitriol. Oh, that's interesting. First of all, I'm, um, I am no DL fan at all. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I, somehow his tweets always show up on mine, <clears throat> on my timeline. <laughs> I can. <laughs> you probably get support in some kind of way. Uh, oh yeah, oh yeah. You know, it's like uh, I have to search for you. I have to search for yeah. you, Mo. You know, <laughs> uh, but uh, DL always shows up on my timeline. Um, but in general, even when uh, people who I don't like, uh, John McCain passed, I would not dance on his grave. This is this is part uh, just who we are as a society when we're anonymous on Twitter and, mm-hmm. and part really, really, to me, really sad. I mean, if, if that's all that people have to do with it, it's ungodly. There we go. It's ungodly to do that. What I liken it to is when people just say, Oh, I'm not going to say the jab or the vax or the Vaseline. <laughs> um, when they were past catch COVID and die. Oh yeah, people. Would, yeah, oh yeah. Hey, he died. It was, <laughs> it was that times ten. Wow. It was that because you got to look at how he died. I didn't really put that in here, but you're saying because we got enough clips as is. Uh, <laughs> but I just want to get to how he died. He died with a woman. Now, was he actually with her at the time of his di- in passing? the saddle? Holy yeah, crap! Yes. Oh my goodness. Okay, and then she happened to be not a black woman. 
Ooh, okay. This is yeah, the so plot all thickens. The, <laughs> all of the ways, and, and it seemed to be previously, or kind of like, was it a uh, working girl? Who knows? Like I said, but the, all that fed into, see, one of his, I, I want to spoil it, but yeah, his whole thing was about how you're going to die and die alone, that kind of thing, right? So, <laughs> okay. Yeah. I see the irony of it. Yes, of course. Now, yes. So all this fed into it, but once again, we see people actually who were criminals, uh, uh, victimizers, abusive. They didn't get this kind of no. dancing on the grave. No, at all. So that that's the part of it. Trying to figure out where that came from. Why did he elicit this kind of response in his death? And, um... Yeah, so I mean that's so I just, that's what I want to get to first. So I guess we can get to the second part of the clip. It, it stirred up this kind of these strong feelings in vitriol. So I was talking to a frat brother of mine, and I, I wanted to do something, that, you know, to, to say something. So um, I was talking to him about uh, you know how I felt, and he was telling me that eulogy, the the, the uh, word, uh, the Latin word eulogy means to speak well of. Uh, not to add, not to detract, but to speak well of. So in, in, with that in mind, I, I'd gone on social media to look at whatever I could to find something that was good to say. And I, I can say this, that mostly everything I saw uh, in terms of his profile was always pic- well-produced pictures and him looking wearing sunglasses and looking cool and well-dressed, but nothing personal. I remember I had made, I, I posted, uh, I, I sent out a tweet and I said that R. Kelly would get warmer condolences, uh, than Kevin Samuels was getting, which I, which <laughs> I think, what I thought was out of line. Um, I thought that, you know, the punishment didn't necessarily fit the crime. And somebody on Twitter said, well, you know, R. Kelly made people feel good too. He wasn't just what he did. So in death, what you have are two things, how people, how people made you feel and how you remember them. And I think that Kevin Samuels was a an amalgamation, uh, you know, his uh, profile, his uh, social media pre- uh, presence was designed to do one thing, and that was to forward an image. It seems uh, like this is the one that he was comfortable with people having of him. And that seems sad to me. Wow. So DL here is talking about the punishment not fitting the crime. I'm not sure. Sh- I'm sure we're going to find out what his actual crime was. Oh, critiquing women. I, yeah, I I would wager in this in this, yeah. in this day and age. Go back to you. Well, no, it's <laughs> I, I I would imagine that all this anger is is of course is uh, is also some self reflection that people may or may not have dealt with themselves. I mean this this is a core issue, a core issue about being able to talk about other people. And I'm not going to paint Kevin Samuels. I'm not going to try to preach him into heaven or paint him as a saint. He was he was shot he understood image he understood how to cut through um you know just the onslaught of podcasters and live streamers his he was meticulous about his presentation his appearance that was one of the things was he constantly wore suits yeah and see this is the weird thing is like i had this this thought it just went through my head it was like for men that he where he came from because he was cool but he wasn't the traditional kind of cool 
Right. So it, it makes sense. You yeah, know I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like a nerdy kind of cool, right? Yes, yeah, exactly. Well, so he was yeah. kind of Superman by putting the suit on. Okay, sure. If that makes sense. Yeah, I, well, most performers, I think, put a suit on one way or the other. It's just the whole thing is really interesting to me um, because net net. He's brought something positive to the world. That's the way I always saw him. It may not be your cup of tea, but, you know, people get so outraged. By what he Was he ever deplatformed at any point? Did the cancel cannon ever really hit him hard? No, he, he that was the thing. He understood how to navigate being an image consultant, understanding the YouTube law, bylaws, <laughs> what you could and couldn't say. Mm-hmm. His approach, he was able to navigate that, um, uh, those rules mm-hmm. and 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 make it work in his favor and i think that's what really, his success really what upset everybody um but speaking of image i got him himself and i want to people hear people this is what i found most important about kevin samuels and this is why i made this show what i think he brought to the table was to make black men specifically men in general and men and women that were looking to find a significant other to one be cognizant of their image. Mm-hmm. And this is specifically the black men because as I, the first time I ever played a clip of his was about Will Smith. Right. And in the last show, and it was spot on about how our image is to be violent and, you know, it, two uh, people that highly trained in their craft couldn't get along you know, it, this was to be expected it was to one react violent and the other react to his violence with violence. And that was his expectation. And this is the kind of thing he brought to the table. And if for nothing else, for us to say, hey, we need to take a look at our image and how we're being portrayed to how we're being used. Mm-hmm. Th- this is the <laughs> this is the rub that they and when I say they capital, they they can't use us. And portray us in a certain way to gain either economic or political gain. This is what pisses them off. Oh, okay. So this, okay. So I see. Uh, would this be the? Uh, I'll just use a term. Would he be to some the modern day equivalent of uppity? Oh, he's definitely a boulet brother. Let's get that out of the way too. No, I'm serious. Like he was a kappa. He's kappa kappa side. Ah, you were saying okay. well, oh, definitely. Oh, but I think he represented a that patriarchal side of the boulet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I'm saying oh, we went. We've been too femi- uh, feminized. We've been too this. We've been too you know to the extreme. But the crazy thing about he's a weird. It's, it's He's such a fascinating character to, to observe because he could be seen as the consummate metrosexual. To the point, I just got to be honest, when I used to watch his cologne video, I'm like, is this dude kind of, you know what I'm saying? Because he used to have like a Red Bull can with a long straw. And it was like, you know, kind of like metrosexual, very metrosexual. Mm-hmm. So that was the thing. That was the hit against him. That, oh, he's gay. It's like, whoa, wait, whoa, whoa. Mm-hmm. How can you attack an LGBT community member? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, he's on the down low, so that's no good. See, that's the so. This is why I'm laying all this out. So I say all that to say, I wanted to get into these next three clips of him talking about why does image matter so much? How the media changes the way we look at ourselves and other people around us. How the media changes the thing. 
Why are we here today? Image is power. And today I want to bring it home. As one of the few actual image consultants on YouTube as a black man and the destruction of the black male image. There you go. Now, you've seen what's happened over this weekend with Brother uh, Kwame Brown. And he talked about how you had men that share his reflection openly destroying him and any get ridiculing, talking about him. That man wasn't bothering nobody. And for 20 years, he laid out his case. I'm not going to relitigate it because he has done a masterful job. But I want you to think about something. One of the first things that happens, just like in this whole birth of a nation thing, is they mischaracterize you in the media and they use little bits of truth mixed in with gross exaggerations. And in order to make it stick, you got to go along with it. What's one of the ways now? You can sit back and say, look at what them white people did. We don't need white people in this conversation right now because we do a good job of this ourselves. <laughs> you got a black man that comes to you every day, mo Monday through Friday in a suit. And look at what they tried to do to me. Yeah, that is kind of weird. <laughs> it's a fascinating case to watch because the whole thing was pull up your pants, put on a suit. Right, and, appropriately. and then he puts on a suit, and then he's uh, some kind of sellout and uh, no good. No, it wasn't that he was, it was, uh, he was a woman hater, or a homosexual, or he, he hated his mother, or he, his oh, mother didn't love him. Well, isn't, isn't that it, what we always used to say about the good-looking guys? Ah, he's probably gay. Ah, he probably yeah. be beats his wife. Ah, he's too good-looking to be true. That's the, that was the thing. But what he did, like I said, was he understood image, being an image consultant. And one, he elevated the image of men, specifically black men, while at the same time, how can I, what's the word I want to use? He would make women be logical about their situation. Okay. And that was a problem. You can't introduce logic to princess uh, programming. It's like no, no, no. That that clashes, and it's like uh, so it will be a call, it'll be a a shock to them to hear the truth because we see in today's society nobody really tells the truth, uh, the truth the at truth all. To <laughs> victims, quote unquote victims, women, uh, the gays, the blacks, the Latina, Latinx, whoever, whatever the victim group is, you can't give them any truth. Because if it's said, you know, the wrong way, then it's hateful, even though it's true. Well, oh, well, hold on. If you say it the wrong way, then you might break the spell is what I'm thinking. That's the biggest problem. If you and, if, if you tell black men and black women that, hey, wait a minute, you actually here's what you do to get your shit together and to be successful. And it's an image is a big part of it. That's kind of breaking the spell that maybe politics doesn't want uh, to be broken. And that's the key point. Mm hmm. That that's the key. He was the ideal respecter of respectability politics. Like there, there you go with that suit. Or you're trying to adhere to the patriarchy, you know. So yeah. we're gonna get a little deeper, but let's go ahead and get into the second clip of uh, uh, image does matter. Oh, uh oh. But then, am I alone? No. This is the history. This is one thing you have learned well. You have learned how to destroy a black man's image 
for your own negative reasons. One, jealousy. Two, scared. Three, envy. Four, you wish you had the position. Whatever the reason is, we're the only group of folks to do it to this level for what? We don't need D.W. Griffith. When you got people that look like you, that will do. First thing they do is try to either tell you you're, you're either crazy, violent, aggressive, Gus. Uh-oh, he was crazy, sex crazed, and crazed, gonna snatch that woman. Well, that's how they did it for the longest, you know, cops and America's most wanted, and this and that, and pimps and hoes, and so forth. But then, then they isolate that person telling them, you better beware of the boogeyman. Uh, but then what happens on the other side? Then if you actually have the nerve to carry yourself in a different way, you carry yourself in a way that's not, you know, street or country or whatever, however you want to frame it, then you got to be gay. <laughs> yeah, black men are y'all tired? Are y'all tired of either being either a, a thug or gay? <laughs> and uh, this hits right at Hollywood. Oh this yeah, this hits right at politics. Get your booty to the pole. Yeah, I mean it's it's. Oh, we can just communicate to them on the base level. And what happened? Like I said, at some point along the way, uh, forty five savage has something to do with it. But just the whole, um. No, we're not going to take it. You're not going to shape our image. You're not. We're not going to be the bottom, the sacrificial bottom anymore. Because here's the rub about it. It's not even for... Let me say this first. I want to have this conversation where you let me know if this happens on the other side. Because for two things, one reason I have to ask is, one, I haven't dated... <laughs> to make sure I get my math right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And all, over 20 years, let me just leave it like that. You're saying, because okay, I don't want okay. to do no bad math. Okay. Y'all don't see me next week. Yeah, be very careful. Very careful, <laughs> um, Demo. Uh, yeah, yes. I, I'm, out the, I'm out the game, so I have an experience yes. modern dating. My, my, so you can help me with that. Okay, my my last dating experience was eight years ago uh, before I met Tina. See, so you... you, you I'm fresh, baby. I'm fresh. Yeah. I, I, I got the goods. Is this... I assume so, but is this going on on across the racial divide? Is this same conversation happening? So, just def- define that in a sentence when you say this this like conversation. When, we, when you hear, okay, the gender war, mm-hmm. how is it developing on that side of the racial oh, divide? Okay, well, because I don't want to make this solely about you know because I'm doing a. The idea is, and we're going to get to this on another show, it's like, okay, it's weird because they're like, oh, white men know how to treat their women right. But it's like you're fighting against the patriarchy. It's- Here, here's, something I hear, here's something I hear a lot of. Uh, because I have uh, young, uh, younger, I have daughters and stepdaughters. Uh, millennial age. I would say that in general... There is amongst the younger a fear of toxic masculinity. And now we're talking white and white. 
and to such a degree that I believe uh, uh, that they actually avoid masculine-type men. I'm actually seeing this across the board. Um, now, I, I don't know if there's anything explicitly said about this, but mm. no, there is actually. I, it has been like, yeah, um, uh, toxic, the toxic masculinity thing has been hammered into uh, the the white the white woman's mind as, as something very bad and to be avoided, and I think that for some of the younger women, uh, it actually has had some kind of effect. That that's what I can really say. And funny enough, if anything, kind of a effeminate gayish guy is almost desired. Right, right. Now I think, but on the other side, on our side, it's more of. You have to step back and be the second, second in a relationship. Um, well, isn't that the, isn't that kind of the same thing? But it's not about masculinity; it's about agreeance. Hmm. <laughs> like uh-huh. you do whatever we tell you to do, that okay. kind of thing. Mm, and if yeah. you don't. You know what I'm saying? No. Or the only way you can get around that is if you're so desirable as a man. That's called yeah. marriage. I don't know what you're talking about. That happens the minute the ring goes on. Now you do what I tell now, you to do. Now you, <laughs> now you see the reason for the gender war. Because let me let me just lay it out here what's going on here in, in the gender war as I see it. With inflation, with COVID, when we were all shut in, mm-hmm. it made people look at their lives and say, okay, I need to make a deal. Rent's up 50%. Yeah. Gas is up 120%. Food is up, you know what I'm saying? Whatever percentage it is. I can't live single anymore. It's not, it's not feasible to live single anymore. So now True. people are coming to the deal table and saying, okay, let's make a deal. And what's happening is these pundits, relationship pundits, I'll include Kevin Sanders in that, is telling people get the best deal possible. Sure. Okay, but the problem with that is for when men want to get the best deal possible, because honestly, if you're not having kids, there's no need to get married. Right. This is my advice to my my son. If you're not having children, there's no need to get married. There's nothing beneficial in it. You see what you see what I'm saying? Like this is when you get to the brass tacks of it, because you just you just said yourself <laughs> that's marriage. Yeah. I know you said it in jest, but that's kind of the thing with okay i can get put out at any time i can lose the kids oh okay you know, <clears throat> yeah not, not quite like, okay well, right well that yeah so there's a there's a much longer history of this which you know i think goes back to episode one no man about the house all the way through <laughs> right. to uh, episode 81 uh you know with uh baby mama and baby uh, baby daddy culture all that i mean that that's right. that's truly a culture and it's not just uh, black. It's white. Is it's poor. A lot of it's poor. But uh, in popular culture, holy crap, it's rampant. Yeah, it's rampant, and they want to keep popular culture wants to keep the gender war going because it leads to depopulation. Because as we know, all roads lead to depopulation. No, see, I mean, yeah, no, you're. It's, hey, I, I think it's it's very obvious. We know where the Planned Parenthood uh, outfits are. We know what neighborhoods they're in. We know. Who got special attention for certain medical procedures in the past two years? Oh yeah, that's it's right. always it's always the goal of the elites. So let's go ahead and get to the final clip of uh, Image Matters so much. 
But what y'all need to understand is we're reaching a critical mass in this time to where this is not working anymore. This is not working anymore because unlike when D.W. Griffith came out, when Hollywood and the media and the and the movie uh, the movie industry, it was much more controlled. It's decentralized. All you need is a smartphone and an internet connection. And now, the rabbit has the gun. <laughs> And people have an answer for what they say. And if you won't hold that, if you won't be that, if you won't act like the thing they're trying to say you are, it won't fit. Why is that so important? Because we have a scarcity mentality because black male media has yet to exist for black men by black men. Well, here's a chance. Understand that image is power and everybody else seems to understand its power. When are black men going to decide to start going in their pockets and funding it for ourselves? Hell yeah. Because I don't, I don't think you guys get it. Why would anybody else want to, to build it for you if they benefit off of you being where you are? Oh, well, now there's the core problem right there. He points it right out. No wonder he was hated. People were activated against him because he was a, a black man saying what he felt. Big problem. You know, you can't do it. And, and <laughs> saying it to where, where you're not can't be framed as angry or belligerent. Yeah, because he, he had he wore multiple a suit. gears. And he wore a suit. <laughs> Even and, worse. And let me be honest. He had multiple gears. He could take it there if you brought it there to him. He could go to that gear. But then he also could go to this gear that you hear him in. He can be very uh, uh, funny. A lot of time, I mean, he had very great uh, comedic uh, comedic timing. So yeah, uh, so that was that was the thing. But once again, <clears throat> we got to talk about uh, where we're we at. Well, can I ask you a question first? Yeah, go ahead. Because um, we didn't actually discuss it, I'm not sure I know what did. How did mm-hmm. he die? What what was the cause of his passing? something with his heart and that's the other thing like he never said if he was vaccinated or not but that never that topic never came up it was drugs it was red bulls because he was known to drink red bulls oh no well no of course of course that that could never be an option that's completely impossible uh also murder comes to mind i'm just gonna be honest about it i didn't go that angle with this show it's, but, it's, it's where I went with Michael Jackson. <laughs> I go there very often when I see people who are not liked by governments. There's not enough evidence for me to go down there, but there is a lot of uh, misalignment of stories of mm. how he knew this woman, how long he knew this woman. But this is all alleged. I don't know. Mm. But I'm just telling you, it, it's h- hypothetically, could I see a person being removed such as his stature? 1.4 million followers is is a big deal, especially in quote unquote black YouTube. Like yeah, you have quote exactly. unquote black Twitter. Like I mean, that's why I was saying before in the previous show, black YouTube is a more diverse representation mm-hmm. of black media than black Twitter is, mm-hmm. because it, you get always from the manosphere to you're saying third wave feminist. So. I mean, you get you get a full array of voices. Where with Twitter, due to the algorithm, they they censor out a lot of, of information. So, and, and, and by uh, the way, the you know one point two or one point five million uh, followers, it could have been ten million. You don't really know what YouTube is putting on there. Those numbers to me are always suspicious. 
And when you get to that number of followers, you're jumping the the racial line yes. or racial divide. Yeah. You're reaching a lot of different, you're saying people across the world. Yeah. So that's the other thing that, that I could, could he be have been suppressed? Who knows? Uh, I'm keeping my eye on that angle of it, of course. But I thought you're saying just this, you know have this show today, just to represent where he came from. I think that'll be a good, um, uh, good angle. Okay. So this is the this is Naomi Wolf. Ah, I'm, I we love uh, Doctor Naomi Wolf. Okay, she wrote a book. Uh, what was it? Uh, the Beauty Myth. Yes. And this is uh, a nineteen ninety something. Yeah, she, she, she's changed a little bit since then. I might point out she's she's had a some some form of an awakening in the past two years. True, but I want to lay out why when he was coming up against this beauty thing, he was kicking a real hornet's nest with the feminist. Because mm-hmm. uh, she is one of the first people to kind of use the term third wave feminism. Yeah. Uh, so that just give you perspective about her. But let's get into these set of clips. Uh, let's start with number eight. But I do want to focus today on a thought-provoking new book and its author that Time Magazine in its section on ideas recently highlighted as the bad side of looking good. A young American author causes a storm by arguing that women have become victims of a punishing cult of beauty. Indeed, the subtitle of Naomi Wolf's new William Morrow book, the beauty myth says it all how images of beauty are used against women now perhaps ms wolf would have been better advised to have subtitled her book how images of beauty have long been used against women for though her thesis is that we are in the midst of a violent backlash against feminism that uses images of female beauty as a political weapon against women's advancement the beauty myth she adds importantly it is the modern version of a social reflex that has been in force since the industrial revolution so much then for the criticism that the beauty myth is old hat and i would ask ms wolf if she doesn't really strive to make that point herself that it is old hat well exactly uh we do we've lived under a patriarchal system for as long as there's been recorded history and ever since um there have been records uh women have been controlled in various ways and you could say that the cult of beauty is is ancient oh this is so great to hear now in in, in context of how she speaks today this is Uh fantastic this is yeah oh yeah a regular jane fonda and that's the thing about it. She's a quote unquote beautiful woman. Or I'm saying, and that's the rub is that you see all these beautiful women speak in a certain way about beauty and so flippantly about, oh yeah, you know, it's just another thing. Don't judge me by it. But it's kind of given the reason why they're not the only reason, but added to the reason why they're even sought after to be experts or to speak on certain topics. Sure, sure. That's always the, that's the, the conundrum of it. It's called pretty privilege. I mean, that, that's what has been like referred to on, uh, in, in, on the gender war fronts mm-hmm. is that beautiful women have certain privileges. And I think what they want to do or what they were attempting to do when she, when she wrote this book was to say women should define what beauty is and men should adhere to that 
new way of thinking. Wow, how horrible. Right? I mean, like, that's... <laughs> I don't like that at all. I thought, no, see, that's, that's, the, that's the thing, is that beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Yes. Right? No, that's, no, this is the reconditioning. This is the, you know, uh, and we see it now, fast forward, where you see, and like I said, everybody has something beautiful about them, but you see certain commercials has a uh, diversity of size. Mm-hmm. A diversity of color spectrum to the point where they even have people with alop not alopecia. What's the other one? Vertigo or vertiligo? Mm-hmm. This is a this is a thing now. Like you know, let's we got to get a vertiligo girl. You know, with uh oh yeah, no, of course. Yeah. It's not they're not beautiful. Of course they're beautiful, but the fact is that you're only getting them because they have a skin condition. And this goes back to the alopecia thing with Jada Pickett. A lot, it's a lot of tie-ins well, to last this, show. This actually, this show. you know, that specifically, that that uh, in high fashion, that goes back um, in, in in my life decades ago. It was, oh my god, look how beautiful she is—the redhead, the redhead with the freckles. You know, and and what would traditionally was known as, oh my god, a ginger, you're despicable to look at, was celebrated. And of course, the uh, the, the redhead freckled girls they found were beautiful. Uh, but this is this has been quite a thing in fashion. Fashion has always done this. Uh, go back to uh, the, the period of Rubens, where today, I mean, they wouldn't even really count in the Cardi B camp, you know? Right. And, and the other thing is, men don't decide this. When you talk about beauty and fashion and fashion models and that kind of thing, men don't decide that. No. Um, we have our own idea of what is beautiful is, and it varies from man to man. I mean, yeah, of course. So, like I said, some guys like redheads, some guys like women with short hair, some guys like tall women, short women, and we it all it's beauty in the eye of the beholder. But what what's happening is you have this cult of beauty that she's talking about, the one that set the the Bernays group of thinking, right, right. But that you can control women through you know having them being fixated on their appearance compared to the other side that oh we can play to men's sexual desires mm-hmm. and that's the that's the two groups you're saying that's being played off each other and men ordinary men and women are lost in this gender war in in the middle and i would argue that jordan jordan peterson is in a way on the other side of that debate because he will and, come yeah okay i was gonna say that would be a good comp to who kevin samuels was Okay, no, that makes sense. That that would be a great. I'm glad you brought him up because he has he has slipped my mind. As far as he's not your t- traditional uh, person that you would think would speak on relationships, but because of how he presents the information, it makes him very potent. Mm-hmm. That's that's. I think that that would be a great count uh, for those two. Yeah, and, and uh, Peterson's thing is, look, you know, you you put uh, you wear high heels. Why do you wear high heels? That's to make you look sexually more attractive by making your calves pop out more. Why do you wear makeup? Why do you wear rouge? Because that's you know, lipstick. It simulates uh, the the blood rushing into your lips after orgasm. I mean, this is this is all really well known, documented scientific stuff the fashion industry does for women and for men. Uh, except he points it out and uh, and and gets shit for it. <laughs> Right, because you're not supposed to say it. No. It's rude. It's kind of like talking about money, right? It's kind of, beauty has become like money, Ooh. which it's rude to talk about it. It's like, yeah. I can be attractive, <laughs> and even attractive people will play it down. Like, oh, no, no, I'm just a regular, 
ordinary girl, that kind of thing. It's like, no. Or or my favorite, I'm glad you're blind. That's my favorite. I haven't heard that one. Uh, yeah, I get that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I am kind of blind, but I can see close up really well. But uh, no, I mean, th- th- this is the entire culture. Um, uh, Lizzo is my favorite example. You know, Lizzo is overweight. There's no mm-hmm. two ways about it. Perhaps medically endangering herself. But you can't say that. No, you have to say, I love how she just puts it all out there. You go, Lizzo. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's not, I mean, sure, it's fine. But it's, you know, it's like if if someone's unhealthy, you should be able to point that part out. And, and what's the lady, I had a set of Lizzo clips in this show as well, but I had to take them out. But uh, what's the lady's name from The Biggest Loser? Oh, the one that's like a real i don't know she's she's a she's a personal trainer it'll come to me but anyway she's one of those drill sergeant type personal trainers like get up dude you know what I'm saying? do this do that that mm-hmm. kind of thing and kind of give you the hard truth you know what i'm saying on the show jillian michaels uh, that's it jillian michaels mm-hmm. she got into a flare up with lizzo because she wouldn't say oh we should celebrate lizzo being so you're know saying uh large mm-hmm so this goes to show you, it, this is bigger than gender. This is like anything that comes out, you know, that doesn't stick to the uh, what you call what I call the 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 corporate credit score. Yes, yes. <laughs> this, this has a big play into it. That um, this is part of that diversity and inclusion thing. And and this goes back. Well. This goes back. I would say to about 2010. Um, I witnessed this. We followed this. It started with bullying, and and it was story after story. Ah, they're getting bullied in school, bully for this, bully for that. Then we got bullying rules. Then we got bullying laws. Then we got hate speech. Then we got hate speech laws. And mm-hmm. then we got participation trophies, and no one lost. I mean, this, this happened really – now, there was set up for it, but it went very quickly, 10, 15 years max for the acceleration that it went through. It was it was fascinating to watch and kind of scary how fast that went, all based in the education system. That's where it all came from initially. Yeah, the re-education system. The so, re-education <laughs> system, yes. <laughs> so I think we stopped at eight. Yeah. I think we're going to nine now. Yep. But you know, it's interesting. You say if they can't eat properly and before you use the word, and then I think retracted it, victim. Mm. Now, why say that women are victims and why say that they can't eat properly? Who is doing this to whom? Who is doing this to whom? Western women since the beginning of the Industrial Revolution have been uniquely controlled by ideals. In the 19th century, the perfect beauty was an ideal of sickness. And I argue that uh, repeatedly, whenever um, there's a class of Western middle-class women who are literate and idle, and there's the ferment of feminism in the air as there was in the 19th century, uh, some ideal is going to be needed to, to control them and make sure that that does not get out of hand. And sure enough, this cult of invalidism in the 19th century grew and flourished. Publicists all around told women that middle-class women that they should be sick uh, a booming industry of uh, sexual surgeons and sexual doctors attending to female complaints grew up telling women that normal healthy female processes were in fact diseased like menstruation and sexual desire were manifestations of disease and uh, middle-class women got sick uh, again in the 50s when the economy needed women to leave their war work uh, when the men were returning from the front this 
society desperately needed an ideology that would drive women back into the home and convince them that the ideal woman was the full-time happy homemaker, absolutely obsessed with the shining perfect floor. <laughs> it's interesting hearing her say all this, uh, which I, I kind of agree with the interviewer. It, it all sounds kind of classic. I've heard it before. Um, mm. But she's really complaining about the media. She says the patriarchy, but it's the media, the advertising that's all, now, whether that's run by the patriarchy or not a secondary. But also, holy crap, she should listen to this herself. You know, she's on War Room with Steve Bannon these days. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> she's, re- she's, re- she's really <laughs> come around. That's it's fascinating that I would like to hear what she has to say about this now. Yeah, yeah, because I don't necessarily disagree with her that we've talked about how Airwood Bernays sure, used absolutely uh, turned smoking into a a cool habit by how he uh, positioned cigarettes as freedom torches mm-hmm, of freedom, mm-hmm. and she said something in there that I think it kind of slipped past. She said women are controlled. Modern women. I mean, she's talking about middle middle class. Uh, she said a tinge of, I think, of feminism and fermenting in the air or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. They're controlled by ideals. There you go. So one ideal has just replaced the other. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're still women. You're still being mind controlled. Yes. It's just now. Now hate, actually, hate men, hate the white man mostly, but might as well hate some black. Just hate all men. I hate pretty women. Uh-huh. Oh yes, please. That's that's the other thing too. I mean, that's when they talk about the rabbit has the gun. Now it's like okay, the women that were traditionally beautiful are in positions of power now, due to affirmative action and the third wave feminism, second wave feminism, to the point where they can come in and write the rules now. So you feel yourself still to have been a victim of, of the beauty myth? A survivor of the beauty myth, yes. But now, you know, let me go back to this business of victimization. Sure. Uh, today, there is the, 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 the mommy trap, mm-hmm. there is the beauty trap, uh, there, is, there was the feminine mystique, which was the feminine mystique trap. Mm-hmm. Uh, you put it on political basis. You put it on, on an economic basis. Absolutely. Why haven't you been willing to accept, to limit yourself, your critique, to the economics of salesmanship or saleswomanship? Because that's not adequate. You have a choice uh, when you're being bombarded with advertising. Um, ultimately, you have a choice whether to buy or not buy that product if your livelihood doesn't depend on it. Um, what's happened over and above the way these four industries are manipulating mass media is that uh, increasingly the beauty myth is being used to make women not only feel but believe to make it be true that their careers their income their livelihood depends upon their consuming <laughs> to these stereotypes uh, i just got to stop it right there have you mm-hmm. have you looked at instagram or tiktok lately have we all looked at what women are doing makeup wise to have influence, to be popular, to be pretty. I mean, the makeup is is 10 times heavier than the 1950s. It's just, and that's why I said the rabbit had, that's why I was talking about yes, the rabbit had the gun. Yes. Was like, we, it's not, see, and this is the thing about freedom. People think when pe- pe- a, a group wins freedom, 
or independence. They're just going to hand it over to you. They're going to be like, nah, we're going to hold on to this and we're going to use it in our, in our way. Yeah. Uh, we're going to manipulate for the good. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Always, always. Let me, so let me, I think, go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna, let me finish out the clip with her. I just okay. I needed to interrupt because otherwise I forget. Over and above the way these four industries are manipulating mass media is that uh, increasingly the beauty myth is being used to make women not only feel but believe, to make it be true that their careers, their income, their livelihood depends upon their conforming to these stereotypes, that their sexuality depends upon conforming to these stereotypes, that their sense of self-worth as human beings depends upon it, that their visibility on the planet it depends upon it. Now, those are very difficult things to negotiate with. Um, impossible, I would say. And I think it's it's therefore inadequate to stop short. Also, it's it's certainly been done before, and it, it's not a, an adequate explanation to me to blame either men's sexual desire, which I think is not, as I said, the source of this pressure, or um, I, you know the capitalist economy. I mean, certainly the capitalist economy stimulates and exacerbates this. Oh, okay. Let me make a shortcut here. Mm -hmm. Um. Kevin Samuels was actually a very important counterweight to what women are doing to themselves because you now this is from the 1990s you add to this um video filters you add to this you know the as i was saying influencers you add to this algorithms and it, 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 women are literally i don't know if if the rabbit has the gun women are caught in they're caught in a in a cycle where you just have to keep putting out you know in order to either stay popular in school or uh, to be relevant in middle school or uh, to maybe, you know, try and have, have a career as an influencer, which seems to be, you know, top of the list for most, you have to adhere to all these crazy type body rules and attitudes and things. It's, it's, to me, it's, it's like the worst trap of all that they're going through right now. Yeah, so yeah, but they want it though. Well, do they or are they mind controlled into this it, it, this it, there's no that's, one there's no the one there's, there's no <laughs> one saying stop except the guy who just died. Because what he says is if you think you want the guy that you think you want this, this is, is not, how this you got to look. Yeah, exactly. This is what you got to do to get him. And what they're hearing is, no, no, Disney's told me all my life, mm -hmm. if I do all the right things and the right things now is going to school, getting a degree, you know what I'm saying, becoming financially, uh, um, no, uh, marrying me would be financially advantageous for you, uh -huh. you know, that kind of thing. But what Kevin, it doesn't, to those guys, it doesn't matter how you look, I mean, I mean how much money you make. It's about how you look. So why do you want that kind of guy? Because top, this is this is his terminology. High value man was top ten percent of men, and every one of the women that were calling him felt like they had a right to one of those top ten percent men. And I look at Tyler Perry because he had a lot to do with, with this as well. Mm. That you know, what I'm saying uh, uh, solidifying this this thought process. So. When they would get a wake up call from him, he's like, "Do you, do you really think <clears throat> uh, top ten percent guy is gonna date? Uh, what I'm saying, your size, your height, this outside the beauty uh, scale. Mm -hmm. That's that's what, and he would tell them that. 
So what he was saying in 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 effect was, go get you a regular guy, and that was like that was that was cuss words. A regular guy? Are you crazy? Now under regular, we understand what. What do you mean? Well, what's a regular guy? Maybe a guy that makes seventy five thousand dollars a year as an electrician. Ah, good solid uh, guy. A good solid guy. Oh no, you know he's a regular guy. You gotta get it right. He's he's regular. I'm sorry, I got it all wrong. Hey, at least he's not a podcaster. Well, it depends on. See how much does he make? You yeah. know, is he a Joe Rogan podcaster? Yeah, or right. is he just saying, you know, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. Adam and Mo podcaster? <laughs> you know? Never heard of them. Yeah. So no, that that's the thing. So. Yeah, he was basically like breaking their spell, and like it would just like throwing water on a on a vampire, you know, mm. holy water on a vampire. Mm. It was just like it was that jarring. Not that they were dem- demonically uh, <laughs> oppressed. Now we can get to the final uh, piece with uh, Naomi Wolf. I agree with so much of it, but there is one part that concerns me greatly, and that is the, and you as a scholar will recognize the phrase, the devil theory of history. Uh (laughs) You're looking for a devil, and Uh you don't find it inside ourselves. You find it in a manipulation, Mm -hmm. in a creation and a manipulation of that creation by forces outside. And you're not even satisfied with an economic approach. Mm -hmm. You want to make it something larger. There are forces at work in our society that purposefully Mm -hmm. manipulate women Mm -hmm. to keep them in the home. Yes, uh, or to keep them feeling imprisoned in their bodies. Yes, I have no apology for that. Uh, the way I put it in the book is this is not a conspiracy theory. It doesn't have to be. I've become convinced, and I'm very influenced by the work of Barbara Ehrenreich, who I think proved this absolutely without a doubt in her book, uh, For Her Own Good, 150 Years of the Expert's Advice to Women, that if you look at the history of how middle-class women do are made to do what needs to be, what what the economy and what society need them to do at any given moment, you're looking at manipulation which is so necessary and so almost reflexive that it doesn't even have to be conscious. Mm. Yeah. So she, she thinks this is something of a higher power or a more nefarious, not just economics <clears throat> or even politics behind it. But I mean, that's just a summarize what she was saying. And I don't disagree. I've always felt that. And that's why I say the rabbit has the gun now, because Mm -hmm. the women, the feminists that were fighting to get control of these mechanisms are using them for their own uh, agenda now. Right. That was what Me Too was about. That was what the, you know, um, just just everything, you know. Are you saying saying there's a cabal of women out to take power of the world, Mo? I'm saying that they're in alliance with other groups mm-hmm. to beauty is genetics at the end of the day. I know that. I mean, that's like, well, what are you, this, we know that. Well, genet- well genetics well, we, on we, genetics on all sides, you know, it's, it's what you're attracted to is also your genetics. And that may not be what, you know, the most beautiful person by traditional standards. But the point I'm trying to make is, only the pretty people are going to make it. When they talk, start talking about that 10%, <laughs> getting get rid of the 90%, beautiful people, that's going to be one of the qualifiers. 
Well, that's kind of a sad thought, but yes, I yeah, I, I, I and that is ultimately how Hitler looked at it. You know, the uh, the pure race, uh, the the perfect features. So yeah, uh, that I can imagine forces like that. It's a component of eugenics, but there's also a thing called newgenics. <laughs> that's not about that's race. It's about uh, what you bring to the table, either heightened intelligence heightened beauty, athletic skills. You know, these these are the people we celebrate at the end of the day. This is our royalty in the world. You know what I'm saying? Either you have some kind of athletic skill and, and you're saying superior intelligence. Well, yes. Uh, this, this is why people are so obsessed with the uh, two high-end junkies to watch the the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial. It, it's exactly. Because they're the beautiful thing. people. But, they're, but they were high-end junkies, beautiful people or not. But that that's their gift that they bring yep. forward, and that's the kind of people that they want to move forward. And what they want to do is discourage this thing about ordinary, regular, this words like this is these are discouragers from you procreating. Right. Oh man, that's pretty evil. Yeah, it is. So, <laughs> uh, uh, so now we got to go back to Throwback Show uh, sixty four, and this is Moya Bailey. This is the woman that coined the term misogyny war and that's a specific uh type of misogyny of black men t- that black men have towards black women so i want to get into her talk about digital alchemy because it's kind of what naomi wolf was talking about as well i talk about something i call digital alchemy which is to me oh, yeah. that process of BIPOC folks, specifically Black women, using the tools, the platforms that have been provided and then using them in a way that they were never intended. So really disrupting the expectations of a platform like Twitter and a platform like Facebook to do something else. But I don't know that that is always uh, a generative practice. Sometimes I feel like it is coming from a place of reaction. So it is in response to some violence that has occurred. And it is speaking to the moment and using that tool. But generative digital alchemy is something I would set apart and say that there's potential for something else. And it's less about, I do think that Audrey Lord is exactly right. And in that context, she was thinking specifically about what's happening in the academy. You know, do we imagine that getting imbricated into this system and this institution that we know is so harmful that we can actually disrupt it, dismantle it, undo the institution and make it into something else? And I don't think that that is true. I think she's absolutely right that the master's tools will never dismantle the master's house. I do think that what digital alchemy perhaps offers is an opportunity to build a new house with new tools and that we need to do that work of building um, new tools. And some of that work happens through, you know, trying the tools that are available to us and realizing that they don't work in the ways that we want them to. Yeah, didn't she create the term misogynoir? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I remember now. So, um, this goes to show that Kevin Samuels was a digital alchemist for the other side. Mm. When she said taking their tools 
as you heard, all you need is a, saying an internet connection, a smartphone, a lap. Like we talked about the joke about we have two guys with two laptops. Pretty much. And, and some internet, internet connection. <laughs> well, more like two tin cans and some string. But yeah, we got an internet connection. Right. <laughs> Quote, unquote, connection. <laughs> uh, you know, it goes in and out as it wants to. But this had a real world effect. So now what I want to go into, this is Karen Hunter. And we've heard them use repurposed Malcolm X uh, talking points mm-hmm. or, or, you know, uh, phrases that one was the black women, the most uh, the least protected woman on the face of the earth, which it's true in a sense, but the way they used it with the whole uh, Meg Thee Stallion case, as you see that whole thing blew up. Um, I don't know if you have seen it or not. Um, no. She may have not even been shot. She oh. may have stepped on glass. Wait a minute. You mean in her foot? Yes. Oh, this is now just coming out that that was a bullcrap story? Yes, but you saw how they use it politically. <laughs> yeah, we 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 kind of knew that when we talked about it back then, didn't we? We talked about it on the show. Yeah, we did, but you saw how they kind of drug it out for yeah. the election. They bring her out to use her as a victimized black woman you know, at the hands of a black man. You know, this is crazy. We're learning so many things after the fact. One of these days, we're going to find out that election was rigged. I'm telling you, it's going to come out. <laughs> <laughs> One of these days. One of these days. Um, but it's funny you bring up the election because they're looking forward to a 2022-2024. Oh, yeah, most definitely. And Karen Hunter is going to talk about uh, the, the ballot and the bullet, but listen to how she, who she's not going to listen to politically anymore. And Luke Campbell, y'all know him as Uncle Luke, uh, Luther Campbell, uh, he of the Florida booty scene, he of the, you know, debaucherous music and uh you know doodoo brown and all of that all right Raise stop doodoo brown listen yeah that's one of his songs but listen oh. how she talks about him debaucherous rapper all this this is the same guy that sat down with kamala harris to, to certify her blackness <laughs> yeah, uh, he, i didn't he, put that clip in here but i just wanted to make he did it, that, he, so. did it he did his job and he still gets slammed is that what you're saying well he's stepping out of line now and maybe for a reason but let's mm-hmm. get back to the clip you know doodle brown and all of that raised the question this weekend that got a lot of attention got a lot of attention and um i thought it was interesting that uh he asked a question just give me five reasons why um black people should vote and then a more valid question. Give me five things that the Democrats have done for black people. Specifically, I'm not going to get my political uh, direction from Uncle Luke, anybody that you could put into a, a, a glass of Hennessy. I'm not going to get my political uh, direction from anybody who calls themselves a 50 Diddy. I'm not going to get my political. Uh, le- I'm sorry. What's a 50 Diddy? I think she said fi- at 50. Oh, at 50. Okay. Right. Ageism. How you like that? Yeah. I mean, we're talking about the guy from Two Life Crew, right? Well, now she's going down a whole list of them now. She said started with Luke. Right. But, but I mean, when, she, when she talks about Uncle Luke, that's Luke Skywalker. Yes, that's yes, uh, yes. Two Life Crew. Okay. Just want to make sure. I mean, I know Uncle Luke when he was just Luke. <laughs> from back in the day he was just luke he was just luke, luke. <laughs> uh direction from anybody who calls themselves at 50 diddy 
I'm not going to okay, get my political uh, leanings from anyone uh, who looks like Basquiat, who's trying to evoke Basquiat and become the next Basquiat, but has no drawing artistic abilities whatsoever, <laughs> but is a pretty decent rapper. I'm not getting my information or my political uh, direction from my basketball player. I'm not going to get it from <laughs> anybody. Uh, you know, and not even a politician. Let me just say there's not not even a Barack Obama can give me any political direction right now. I'm actually going to take my direction from Malcolm X, who was very strategic in this ballot or bullet. The ballot or the bullet? Yes. So okay. what she was saying is <clears throat> she's not going to take her uh, political advice from no black men. No. That's what she's saying. That's why she, she was talking about Jay-Z, Diddy. Mm-hmm. Uh, LeBron James, Barack Obama. She's not taking any. You're starting to see that divide. <clears throat> yeah, you, you see it happening. I mean, we've talk, been talking about this what two, three years now. <laughs> yes, it's it's the it's official pull away time. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is we're going to get back to Kevin Samuels and what he represented. But I'm showing you this feels now. like it has a bad ending. This doesn't feel good. What you're telling me now. It's precarious. Let's just go go ahead and get to the second part. There is a movement afoot in our country where there, where the, the, the Trumpian approach to thinking has been used and weaponized for a certain segment of the black community. And that Trumpian way of thinking is first and foremost, a grievance mindset, right? Not that black people don't have legitimate reasons for grievance, but Trumpism and Trumpism weaponizes grievance, right? And it weaponizes division, right? So this movement, uh, it's ADOS, it's these other things, is, is based on this idea that there is something so unique to the black slavery experience in the United States that we should not be tolerating anybody else getting any kind of oxygen or help or support or legislation or whatever, because if they get any recognition or if their suffering is recognized, be they Bahamian or Haitian or new immigrants or whatever, then it diminishes our story because we're always at the back of the line. So you start from this grievance of we're always at the back of the line. And so therefore, the only way we can ever get to the front of the line is that if we push everybody else behind us right and that's a great theory if you're in the majority but in a country where you're 14 percent of the population that's a stupid theory what that really is is saying well you black people don't you dare connect with those brown hispanics don't you dare connect with those indians those those asians that are immigrants don't you dare connect with that lgbtq community don't you dare connect with those women who are on fire and allies for you don't you do that because then when you get together you might be in a majority and we don't want you to be in the majority Oh. <laughs> well, this don't you connect with yeah. you, fill in the blank. Keep holding the door. That's now you. A lot of things I'm like, talking keep about holding the door. Keep, keep holding, holding. Keep holding the, holding the door. The door. <laughs> yeah, it, that's what she's saying. Ver, very clearly. Very. If you can't get along with the newly immigrants, if you can't get along with the LGBT. If you can't get along with the women who are on fire and ride for you, like Black Lives Matter to exploit black male death, you know what I'm saying, to buy large mansions, hey, it, we, you don't want to hold the door no more, you're siding with the white supremacists. That's right. basically what she's saying in a nutshell. Yeah. 
Yeah, and this is recent, right? This is this is a new oh, piece. Oh, this of was this week. This mm. was this week. I love how I'd, I'd love a definition of Trumpism, Trumpism, whatever she called it. Well, that's the Kanye voter, right? But still, a definition would be nice. I mean, rich, successful, uh, masculine. You know, <laughs> uh, in you know, all of these things don't count. I guess it's all just about the divisiveness, and it's horseshit. Any size of heterosexual. Sh- straight super straight black men that want to be uh 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 accommodated for our vote for our political power Big for problem. the use of our image no shut up get to the get, keep holding the door yeah you know what i'm saying you can't have grievances and, and this what i <clears throat> what this does is this parallel runs parallel in the gender war as well <clears throat> go to work put all your money in the bank shut up don't say anything. Don't you're saying? Don't use that towel. This is what the guys are hearing, and they're saying they're as they're walking away from the political table, they're walking away from the relationship table as well. It's the same mindset. It's like if I'm going to suffer, I might as well suffer on my own. Right. Which is, I'm pro family. I think they're saying I don't think that's a good idea, but in hindsight. <clears throat> Well, not even even hindsight. And looking at relationships now in 2022, and I was a young man, I would be looking at it the same way. Like, oh, wait a minute. Like, oh, this deal kind of sucks. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I die younger. Uh, I'm going to be to blame for everything. Uh, I got to be damn near perfect. Uh, uh, you, I just can't be regular. I can't be Joe the electrician, you know, to make seventy, eighty-five thousand dollars $85,000 a year. No, that's not acceptable. Something just hit me. You know, um, we talk about what happens with black men in this situation. White men, uh, they have their own category of despair, which is incel. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's a lot of black incels for some reason. I just oh I, yes, it is. That's are, the misconception. Yeah. It is. Oh, okay. Uh, and vaping in the basement, playing video games. Is that the that's the basic? <laughs> that's they, basically, they, they like they like comic books and. Samurai swords, just that. See, that's the thing with the image. We've been portrayed either as thugs, yeah, or you know, um, gay, or you know, some kind of athlete. And what's happening is these guys that are underrepresented, uh, uh, you know, just came to be drawn to Kevin Samuel. Do you think that? Do you think that in general, just as man to man? regardless of skin color background do you feel that a lot of uh um transgenderism might be spurred by this like if you can't if you can't if you can't beat them join them or you know this this it just feels like there's something there i think and that you know what i think that's on both sides of the coin with transgenderism and, and mm, queerism yeah, i think that's point. the new term good for point. queerism like it's mm-hmm. I can't be a attractive woman, but I'll make for a cute boy. You see what I'm saying? That kind of thing. Or yeah. I'm, yeah, our, saying, our problems I'm not a very are, yeah. masculine boy, so I'll go to be a, a, a transgender woman. It's and interesting. It's kind of like these people trying to find their place in life. Yeah, well, it's interesting because the the problems we're discussing here transcend race and and background. They are they are universal, but quite unique um, uh, for black men. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you literally, you know, get uh, 
uh, get abused uh, when you're dead to start protests. I mean, <laughs> that, that's what you're really good for. That's the only value that we bring to the table. Well, it other seems than, so. like I said, it uh, seems so. But I can say, I mean, this is going to be one of the few shows. Like I said, race is not really that. It's important. not really the issue. Yeah. Other than the uniqueness of the tactics, and the and, outcome is the same, and, 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 <laughs> but the uniqueness of the tactics is, is different. Am I correct in assuming that um, the biggest issue you have personally is that this this uh, this course that that, uh, uh, that these black women are uh, are sailing on will result in ultimate depopulation of Black America? It's the replacement theory. I'm just going to lay it out there mm-hmm. right front uh, up front. Mm-hmm. I mean, replacement is, replacement with Islanders, uh, uh, Brown, uh, everything but ADOS. You literally heard her call out ADOS. Yes, huh. that I think this plays a part into it, and I in 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 general, we're all being replaced. That's what people don't really want to understand is we're all yeah. being replaced. Oh no, I've, I that, I learned eighty one episodes ago. It's like everything that's <laughs> happening to you is going to happen to me. So it's, just, it's, <laughs> it's raining over here. You're saying on this side. Of oh town. yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's <laughs> that way. You know. I've been paying uh, close attention. Yeah, but so the, now we got to go back to Naomi Wolf because she's going to talk about the manipulation of the media on men. Now, do you think that men are equally the victims of uh, this ideal? Certainly in the last five years or so, advertisers have figured out that it works, that you can target uh, a a vast market by um, making people feel sexually inadequate um, and sexually insecure. And increasingly, uh, there's a new beauty myth being developed in mainstream media aimed at men to undermine their feelings of aesthetic self-worth. And psychiatrists are predicting a rise in eating disorders among young men. However, I don't believe in my lifetime, as long as men hold the balance of economic power, that uh, they will feel that their appearance determines not only their attractiveness to to women, if that's who they're interested in, but their entire self-worth as a human being. In other words, men have role models in the world all around them. Uh, Women's role models that they see are largely confined to fashion models. Um, And so until the balance of power in society changes tremendously, I doubt that men will see fashion models, male fashion models, and view them as role models. Then you are essentially talking about power. Exactly. That's precisely what I'm talking about. Can I... I left out... interim link there when I was explaining who's at fault, who's to blame. Um, I described a a social mood in which a new ideology was desperately necessary. One of the new things, new points I make in my book, which is very important, is that I am not blaming men as individual lovers, husbands, fathers. Uh, I don't believe that the pressure of this intensified, what I call beauty backlash, comes from individual men. I believe it comes from institutions, male-dominant institutions that are safeguarding political power. Yeah, that's interesting because that uh, and, and and I like I think that's why I've always liked Naomi Wolf. Although I you know recently with the stuff where they her head is turned around, we've mm-hmm. we've we've come up with a new name for her. She's a magatard, which is kind of like <laughs> maga with libtard combined. It's really it's really interesting how she how she's transcended. Um, and I've always liked that she attacks the advertising business and the media because that's been true since advertising has existed it's all about sex every product is you're never going to get laid unless you buy this product it doesn't matter what the product is that is ultimately the message almost always what i she, think it's different now can i stop you right there can because I, I think it's different now okay. i think it's you're not going to get laid so buy this product 
Oh, okay. Um, I'll have to reevaluate. I'll have to look at some um, some mainstream and take <laughs> take a look. Possibly. The, the only thing I will say is that in the 1990s, there were a lot of female leaders in the world. Uh, uh, East Germany, Nicaragua, Ireland, uh, Bangladesh, France, Poland, Turkey, Canada, uh, Rwanda, Sri Lanka, Haiti. I mean, th- there were women, and that's outside of the United States. So, uh, and and by the way, those countries not doing any better. So you know that that myth is kind of it kind of falls <clears throat> apart, although unique with a lot of the female leaders in the world. Not childbearing women. A lot of leaders do not have children. That was the the trade off. Yes, Be a career woman. Uh, delay your you're saying your childbearing years. Yeah, and but that was part. Or of the, if you that, don't have any at all, that was you, part, I mean that was part of the women's liberation movement. That that was by their own design. But let's just keep it. Let's just we're being as we always do. Be completely honest. There is a supremacy with women with children over women without children, and yes. it's been that way since the, the dawn of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the greatest honor you can have is to be a mother. Now I would say we know that due to medical reasons, or whatever women can have can't have children for whatever reason, and that's oftentimes seen as a curse. In older times, you know, saying, and you know, uh, but amongst women, and they, they won't admit to it, but there is a, there is a hierarchy of mothers over non mothers, hmm. and and that's why they say I want to have it all. Listen to the you know, saying, and we're talking about we're not talking about everyday women here. We're talking about the power, like you saying, the power brokers. Hmm. The, I want to have it all. I want to have the husband. I want to have the powerful job. I want to have the children, you know, saying that worship me. You know, I want to have it all. And there, there is a hierarchy. And I'm just going to be completely honest about it because uh, I've noticed this over the years of being married to a woman. Um, amongst certain groups, if it's wives, that's a hierarchy over single women. Mm-hmm. Um, women that are wives, that are mothers, that's a hierarchy over uh, just wives, yeah. And and if you're a working mom, that's married. Oh, you you're at the pinnacle. It's so interesting. We we have several uh, female friends, um, who are single, age range thirty to uh, mid fifties, and they all find it incredibly hard to find someone. Uh, but when I question it, they they set the bar pretty high. <laughs> you bet. You want they to set it pretty damn high. And, you know, I'm like, oh, man. Because <laughs> right. Disney told me I can have it all. Yeah. And I'm not trivializing it. We've seen Disney talk about grooming children. Disney have been grooming women yeah. since, since the inception, inception of it. Yes. And, and, it's, and, it, and I'm saying this to bring attention to it because it's disgusting now because we're seeing it spill back over on men and this is how you get the manosphere. So now I want to talk about, this is FD signifier and he's going to give us a, a dissection of the manosphere and more specifically the black manosphere 
And this is the result of those castaway incels, whatever you want to call them. Up until now, I've mostly been talking only about white men and boys. And while there is plenty of diversity in all of these groups, there are some distinct differences in what most refer to as the black manosphere, which has grown a lot in terms of visibility in the last few years with figures like Kevin Samuels and kind of fresh and fit. I'll get to that later. That said, the black manosphere is not new. And to be fair, at least on YouTube, it's probably been around a lot longer in its current state than its white counterparts. And I think it's important to like parse out some of these differences before moving on because we want to keep in mind that these two groups definitely converge in some areas but separate in others. Unlike his white counterpart, the black manosphere has the benefit of being able to subterfuge a lot of his elements under the guise of pro-black thought and political discourse. Many, not all, but many of the figures in the black manosphere present themselves as pro-black political figures and talking heads in conjunction with being male advocates and they just happen to to peddle conservative, misogynistic, and every once in a while homophobic rhetoric as solutions to the issues that black people face. And I'm just saying to anybody, we we don't we can't we can't have a we can't be pro-black if you are how do you how are you pro-black and not married? This is my issue with a lot of the pro-black movement, especially a lot of pro-black women. I need to see your husband. <laughs> once again, that's Kevin. Yeah. Um <laughs> So the black manosphere, this was that space when you weren't allowed to go be on black Twitter <laughs> and you had differing view, differing points of view. It's the counterweight. I think you used that word before uh, to black Twitter. Cause black Twitter is basically ran by black women in the LGBT community. Mm-hmm. And, and men that adhere to those ways of thinking. So if you had any semblance of respect for the patriarchy, oh no, you were outcasted. <clears throat> or if you weren't cool enough, because that's where the convergence of, and I don't use this word in the way it's used, but nerds, mm. right? You know, people that grew up reading comic books, Urkel. those kind of things that were seen not as cool, right? Uh, now you've seen these guys actually become successful and they look for each other and they found each other in these channels, in these uh, comment sections. Uh, and they created their own lane of, of media, to be honest with you. Right, and this this is what Kevin was a a recognized leader of, I guess. He was, and he, he, technically, he was a hired hand in the Manosphere. Because, like I said, his track on YouTube was cologne videos and style <laughs> videos. Yeah, right. He, but, he, but, you know, yeah. he they saw that he could, you know what I'm saying, some of the leadership in Manosphere saw that he could be, you know, uh, a valuable asset. And, you know, he started representing the Manosphere, and he became the king of it. Who, who, and I'm who, in the black manosphere. I'm talking about the whole. He, Kevin Samuels probably was the king of the manosphere. Who else were leaders? Are leaders in the manosphere? Uh, I mean, you got your Obsidians, you got your O'Shea Duke Jacksons. Uh, these are guys that kind of set the tone. I mean, it's and it's so many different variations. I mean, you have it. It's it. Like I said, it's a spectrum. 
you have guys that don't, it's in the manosphere, don't agree with Kevin Samuels. You got guys that are, that are more red pill than Kevin Samuels, you know, <laughs> and say, you know, that, and it's like I said, it's a spectrum. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I want to highlight this to say this, this was formed by the outcast of what, you know, saying black male image was supposed to be. And they formed their own lane of media. And, and I've been, I've walked those manosphere roles. I've been on some of those panels. You're saying, I don't, you know, I don't do groups of any kind. Um, but I can see where they had points and I can see, I could be, have critiques of it, but you still got to respect anytime someone goes out and create their own lane. Now, but this is a bit like men go their own way, like this movement. This was the black men you're going to see because that they couldn't really go the MGTOW route because of some of the political and racial differences. So this was them forming their own thing, even separate of, can we say manosphere? That's typically either the white manosphere or just the manosphere in, in, in general. Mm hmm. And that's why they had to put the black in front of it to say, no, this is... Of course. Because it, it has racial... <laughs> no, because it has some racial differences. Because when you get to politics, you know, um, maybe a good portion of MGTOW might not agree with some of the uh, things that black men seek for politics. So that's why you have the divergence. But a, a lot of the ideology is the same. Mm -hmm. That the family court is a big problem. That marriage is a bad deal. That... Uh, women's expectations of men are highly overinflated, those kind of things. And I'm doing this, I'm doing this show to seek first to understand, then to be understood. Cause it's, it's, we're going somewhere with this, but we got to lay out where both sides is coming from. You have the third wave feminists and then you have the manosphere and you got them throwing, lobbing insults and things back and forth to each other when they really should be with each other. Yes. This is more like a civil war that's being created here than anything. Yes, that's the whole goal of it. Yeah. <laughs> that's the, by, the, by the lizard people. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, I, I like I said, all roads lead to depopulation yep, for me. Yep, yep. Uh, so I guess I'm going to get into 16. The insecurities and frustrations for black men that attract them to the manosphere is pretty much the same as their white counterparts, except that those frustrations, the financial insecurity, the ugly breaks up and divorces, child custody battles, etc., are all made a bit more complicated by structural racism. And along with that, because of structural racism, they also are dealing with high death rates, lower access to health care and barriers to a lot of the ways that the manosphere preaches for seeking self-help. Historically, the nature of patriarchy has mostly excluded black men in a traditional sense. Black men as a whole have never fully encapsulated the patriarchal image of father knows best, doting wife, two kids and a dog. Even those black men that did have those things were always still barred from the full essence of what that framework was supposed to offer in terms of respect and stability. You can be black and be the man of the house and the man in your neighborhood, but you were still going to be called boy when the police came around. Plenty of black men between the 1920s and the 1960s contributed to traditional male-centric communities and played roles as patriarchs in them, only for them to be burned down by white terrorist mobs. However, I would argue that more typically the black manosphere grows out of conservative pro-black movements. That's where your politics comes in. Yes, yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, and, yeah. And just to go back to Luke for a minute. Luke is buddying up with Marco Rubio down in Florida. 
Oh, he's doing the right thing. You, you see, because <laughs> well, no, <'cause, laughs> he's got the Brown brother bringing it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, Luke's they, got it on. They starting to see that Republicans are ready to start opening the checkbooks and start to bring in some of these voices of black men directly because they're finally figuring out. And I don't know if they figured it out, but it's they're starting to realize the. The oranges were the juices were to squeeze <laughs> on pursuing the black male vote. And if yeah, nothing right. more, look, this is what Luke said. Luke said, give me five reasons why you should vote. Not vote democratically, not vote Republican, but not vote. Because that's the easy position to take. So and to say, you know what, we shouldn't even vote. Okay, so the monkey coming out of the sleeve, as we would say in the old country, mm-hmm. ultimately Everyone's being controlled and being driven towards one thing, and that is the the correct political choice. What do you mean by correct political choice? The Democrat, of course. And anything but conservative, Republican, or family values, it all has to be uh, uh, progressive. It has to be blue. Well, it has to, yes, it has a, to I mean, be blue. A, yes, yes. It's just, it's just, a, just push because the, blue because flag the, when the funny, the, the funny, <laughs> the funny thing is. Is that uh, if you look at Trump and uh, what they call Trumpism, what we would call forty-five savages, savagem, mm-hmm. savagism, uh, was it, it actually? Uh, I think uh, Republicans don't even th- uh, the Republican Party doesn't seem to think about black uh, black men or or women for that reason. In in any, they don't. They've never thought it through to control any population that way specifically. But because of the nature of masculinity, which is inherent to Trump and other other political leaders like him, not many like him, but that's the danger, is that it, 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 it awakens something deep inside men, certainly, that gives them a purpose and a feeling of, yeah, oh, heck yeah. And I think that's the problem, right? That that that's what is trying to be combated here. We have to steer them away from that in, in, uh, at all cost. What Donald Trump and I've said this since the first show when he uttered those words, "What do you have to lose?" Yeah, that was a bell that can't be unrung because that's the same thing Luke is saying. The same person that brought you Kamala Harris and certified her blackness yeah. now in twenty twenty two is saying. <laughs> <laughs> what do we have to lose? Right. What have they, what we have, we gained. And if you can reach a political pundit like Luke, that could be, you know, saying utilized, you know, to, you know, validate a person's blackness. Yeah. If that can be, you can move that piece in the chessboard. Right. Now it, we got a game. And yeah, hence the Rubio connection, you mean? Right. Yeah. And hence the. Whoever, I mean, look at what over going on over at Blaze. I mean, you had Jason Whitlock do a two two episode show on Kevin Samuel, right? And the Black Manosphere. You hear things like uh, inclusive uh, nationalism. Oh, I, you I see. Make no mistake. Uh, when I and, I and I I love me some J Lock One Hundred. Uh-huh. Nothing wrong with that, but he is totally uh, his whole setup is political. I mean, the Blaze. It's very close to political parties in my opinion uh mm. he's getting the platform he wants he's being promoted uh he, i think he still has to stay in a certain lane in in that current position uh but uh, yes. he is in fact being used 
Uh, he's getting a message out that that he that that he stands behind, uh, but he's definitely being used for political means. And I wouldn't even say being used because he negotiated the deal, knowing going in that he found. And the reason why I want to be the clearest, he's not autonomous. Exactly. He he has the appearance of autonomous. But when you look down the bottom of that screen, you still see the Blaze logo. Yeah. And that means you have to stay within outside these political confines, like never say anything about reparations. You know, it's certain things you can't mention, right? Certain guests you can't have on. But the fact that he sat down and negotiated with uh, a Glenn Beck to say, hey, I got to be able to talk about these certain topics you wouldn't be able to talk about that maybe on a Fox right. or you're saying oh, other no. shows. Oh, so, no, no. So I don't want to be careful when you say use because he's conscious of it's a, it's a bartering is, and this is the thing, like I said, this is the maturation of black men and their political power mm-hmm. before it was like, was let's do what's best for black people. But right. we saw for what the last six years, eight, 10 years that black women have been pulling away. And I want to make it clear the political class of black women have been pulling away and trying to form their own demographics. So black men are saying, Oh, well, it was good for the goose is good for the gander. Let me, let's start making our own, uh, uh, deals. Right. What's, what's best for the quote unquote, our own demographic. So I'm just want to, I just want to lay that all out, you know, whereas of course, neither side can really have the power if they don't work together, men and women together. That's that to me is the model that works best. And what's even more evident is that in, in black politics, because the black block is only valuable as a block. Mm. You see what I'm saying? The mm-hmm. Democrat, the women have to deliver the whole block. Yeah. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? It's like, right. You did come by themselves is no good. Right. It's like, <laughs> you got to bring the no men. Good. They got to bring you the men. You got to bring the men with you. They got to get that 80, 90% turnout to win an election. And I know I'm going to, but I'm showing now. This is where the Manosphere, Black Manosphere, Kevin Samuels, you know, what Whitlock is doing, what, you know, what Luke is doing, you know, uh, what DeSantis is doing for men down in Florida. You saw that, which mm. helps a lot of black men. Uh, you're going to start seeing family court. I think Kanye plays a factor in this and the custody battle that he's making very public. Keep an eye on that. Yeah. Well, See, that's a men's that's a men's right tactic, and, that, and, that, that's and that's a men's right, tactic. and that's men's rights across the spectrum. Yes, I mean that's that has that's that's goes way beyond skin color and everything. It's uh, in, in in divorce court, family court, men typically just set up to lose. Right, and I think that's why I said that's why Kanye is planning out publicly because you got to remember what's he what is he doing in twenty twenty four. You see what I'm saying? Like, yeah, Kanye yeah. just don't do stuff just to do it. I mean, 2020 was like a test run. Mm-hmm. Like, what does that leave him in 2024? It sets him up nicely. To, you know, hey, family court is a big problem. I went through it. I got a billion dollars and I still went through this. Yeah. What's a guy with, uh, you know, makes $15 an hour going to do? Mm-hmm. So, uh, I guess we can go ahead and wrap up with a third clip of the Manosphere. 
As I alluded to in previous videos, older generations of black people who faced a more intense and overtly hostile world of racism and also bore witness to really ugly images and experiences of crime and violence from their own people in black neighborhoods were very susceptible to a line of thinking that said that black people's biggest problems was themselves and that if we just rejected the uglier and negative aspects of black life and culture and, and focus more into mimicking what we saw from whiteness that we would be better off as a people and to be fair this isn't wholly untrue being closer to whiteness has always been good for people of color so lighter skinned black people with certain types of hair or phenotypical features or even names are historically much more likely to fare better in America under white supremacy but as I alluded to in the Edgelord video and other videos crime and criminality is socially determined by poverty and lack in environment and structural barriers and the ability of a handful of black folks to effectively maneuver white supremacy using what we call respectability politics is not a real solution to the issues that black people face. The core factor to crime in black communities is how these communities are designed and police, not how the people behave or wear their hair or wear their pants. <laughs> and that's that surface, very surface hair pants kind mm -hmm, of thing. Mm -hmm. What he should have been more focused, this is my critique of what he was talking about, is the design of the community. And the design of the community is the design of the family. And the design of family flaw is no man. Yeah, yes, it's not a family. <laughs> That's exactly it. It's not it. a family. And that was you by know? design. That was absolutely by design. And you don't even hear the term broken home anymore. You know, that used to be a term. Oh, yeah. He comes from a broken home. He needs a little bit of extra patience. Right. So now it's just like, oh, that's normal. Which, like I said, we're all figuring out. You know what I'm saying? We, we've all, hey, nobody knew where this gender thing was going. Uh, I've seen a lot of marriages, you know, dissolve out of trivial situations that the media hyped up to be big things. <laughs> you know, for every, re I mean, you remember maybe 10, 15 years ago, every reason was a reason to get a divorce. Hey, Mo, this is my third yeah. marriage. So, I mean, uh, you, you're preaching to the choir here. No, I mean, but the media... <laughs> The media made it a point, like, "Oh, you're not happy? Be happy!" You know that kind of thing. It's like, uh... "Oh, but I, but I saw this happen to my parents with uh, books and uh, and television shows." And I mean, once All in the Family went away mm -hmm. <laughs> for white people, it was all about it was over. There was there was I don't know how many. Well, let's see. No, that's not true. Family ties. You know, th that's the kind of culture that shows a, a family in a positive light but you know the days of little house on the prairie are long gone um all of that hurt across the board but you know what color is my parachute books like this um there was a uh, i think there was it's a lot of influence from outside a lot of and and quite honestly loss of uh uh faith loss of church <laughs> these are things that i think mm -hmm. uh, stimulate family and uh, that's actually where Naomi Wolf has come around to as well. It's like, we got a problem here. And the ideals. Because women, not only women are manipulated by ideals, everybody's manipulated by ideals. And it's this thing about trophy wives. And I mean, like, I mean, that goes, cuts both ways. <laughs> like, well, but it's also all, me it's, all, it's all media creations. Trophy wives, uh, yeah. wives and girlfriends of, of soccer players, football players. Um, um, and, and just as Naomi Wolf said, now, uh, you know, going on 30 years ago or 20, 25 years ago, 
it's all media based and it's and what what you get is what you will consume whether it's true or not you you this is thrown in your face every single day where you know for months we've been so concerned about ukraine oh my goodness but you know the united states is actively fighting wars in like four other countries uh where people are dying and uh, and it's probably more are doing than anything none of that is portrayed so therefore it doesn't exist and if it does exist, they want to demonize it. Correct. And this is this is where the black ministry <laughs> got. I saw the handwriting on the wall. Uh, this is before Kevin Samuels passed. I start seeing all the guys because I follow most of the guys and saying to keep a keep a track on the content they make. And I start seeing them step right. Is it time to go? Is it, it is the end of the manosphere near? We're stepping. I'm stepping away from the manosphere. They start fielding one guy, uh, MTR, Mediocre Tutorials and Reviews. He started feeling the pressure on the economic side of it. Mm. Uh, where they, they He had did a video with Kevin Samuels and one of his uh, uh, advertisers pulled, up, pulled out on him. And then like he, like everybody started dashing away from the manosphere after that, you know, and using that terminology. Uh, and I started, I thought like, hold on, what's going on here? So, I started doing a quick Google search and I see L magazine. They write an article. My brush with the black manosphere. Ooh. This the sub the brush. My brush. Yeah, right. After an ill-fated Zoom day, I wandered down an online rabbit hole into the hyper masculine space for red pill black men. And this is on January 25th. So yeah. You know that when, when you start getting articles like this, you start becoming a a T group. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like you know, mm-hmm. yeah. And that's why I said they started changing the, the terminology from disinformation to misinformation to malinformation, which takes us back to number seventeen uh, A, and this is from show eighty. If you were to dive into the dark web, you'd find a lot of information you couldn't find with, say, just a simple Google search. And a lot of what's down there is simply false information. In recent years, that false information has made its way to mainstream platforms. Now, a simple Google search will show you ideas, thoughts, and movements previously hidden away from the dark corners of the Internet. To protect yourself against what's false and harmful, you need to understand how that information comes to exist in the first place and how it comes across your social media feeds. Now, there are three different types of content as identified by First Draft. That is an organization fighting to bring you truth on what you read and watch. Disinformation, misinformation, and malinformation. Collectively, these three groups are known as information disorder. Let's start with the first. Disinformation is intentionally false. It's designed to cause harm. That's often backed by motivations to make money, to have political influence, or cause trouble just for the sake of it. The second, misinformation. That's also false content, but the person sharing it doesn't realize it's false or misleading. This is driven by socio-psychological factors. These people want to feel connected to their tribe, whether that's the same political party, activists for climate change, or those that belong to a certain religion, race, or ethnic group. Finally, malinformation. This is genuine information shared with the intent to cause harm. An example is when Russian hackers hacked the Democratic National (laughs) Committee and Hillary Clinton's campaigns and emails. They leak certain details just to damage reputations. So before you hit or share or retweet, stop and ask yourself, 
how that information came to exist, and whether it's at all credible. I love that this is misinformation by itself. That's the best part. So meta. So meta. meta. Love that. So malinformation. This is the one we need to keep our eye on. Mm -hmm. Because if it's true, even if it's true, if you're saying it from a place of hurt or to cause hurt, then it's malinformation. So this is where the black, this is where Kevin Samuels, where the black manosphere, even the manosphere in general, they'll use certain facts like, you know, uh, geriatric pregnancy. They'll weaponize that. They'll weaponize. Cause I'm just being, being honest here. Mm -hmm. Uh, one of the other things is, um, um, single mothers, They'll weaponize that as far as having children by another guy or uh, other guys, or multiple guys. They'll weaponize that. And then the one they love the most, and you heard even DL say it, leftover women. <laughs> so have you heard this term before? <laughs> no, no, but I can imagine what it means. Okay, so just this is talking about in China because this is a global phenomenon. This is not just, <laughs> this is not just domestic. But this is a good uh, uh, explanation for what leftover women are. Have you ever been called a leftover woman? Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. No matter how excellent you are, how capable you are, in the larger society's mind, you're not as good as a man. My name is Wei Tingting. I'm one of the feminists who get arrested before the International Women's Day. We're in China, where women are experiencing unprecedented financial freedom. And since Mao founded the People's Republic of China in 1949, have enjoyed equal rights to men. Well, at least on paper. Up until the Communist Revolution, women were pretty much considered property and their feet were tied. Then Mao, when breaking the norms of social class and gender, declared that women carry half the sky and gender equality was written into the constitution. I would always admit that I'm a beneficiary of the socialist women's liberation. Remember how American women were empowered to join the workforce in the 1940s when the men left for war? and then sent back to the kitchen in the 50s when they returned. Back in the days of Mao, there wasn't enough manpower to build the new China. So women joining the workforce were celebrated as iron girls. These days, however, feminists are being detained. And for almost a decade, unmarried women older than 27 have been called the derogatory term Xiongnu, which means leftover women. It's really interesting. You know, China has... <laughs> Everything they say is they've been the opposite of depopulation. They've been desperately trying to repopulate after the incredibly stupid uh, one-child uh, policy. Uh, I think it's. I think they're now trying to force everyone to have three, and they can't make it happen. One because they don't have no baby making machines. That's right. That's the crazy thing about the left, and what I'm being about is women. Uh, as I call women time machines because like you deposit your genetic material in there and they move it forward through time oh to my, the next oh, generation. Oh my goodness. 
Cancel cannon aimed at you, Mofax. No, I'm not. You can't, that's you the can't talk praise. like that. You can't. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's what gets you canceled the fastest. Don't you be yeah. praising anything high like yeah. that? No, they're, no, no, they're no. Time machines, bro. I mean, like, hey, we gotta <laughs> understand. But that's the problem. And mm-hmm. the irony of it is, in China, women, men outnumber women significantly due to the one-child policy. So most yep. of the families kept the male child. Yep. And they even have leftover women. So you have this abundance of men, this minority of women, and even still over there, if you're older than 27, you look at as leftover women. Now, I can give context to that because the men, it's the mentality that the men look at in the women because I had coworkers, former coworkers that were from China. And I, you know me, I'm going to ask. And the women looked at if you cook, that was re- regressive. You know, that was a negative thing. If you don't, it was, they were very masculine in their thinking. And that, that was the problem with the clash with the men. It was like, I don't want to marry a dude. <laughs> you know, no, I'm just saying, I mean, that, that was the mentality of it. Um, So that's what, how you get the leftover women there. Here, it's a little different because you have more uh, you have more women per capita than in China, but yet still, for whatever reason, women are looked at as by the manosphere as leftovers because either, like I said, they're older and and or the mentality they have as far as with feminism or uh, either they have children by another man or whatever that's seen as undesirable. So this is that the machine pushing out expectations on the men now like, oh you can't be a stepdad you know that kind of thing which let me, may, let me make it clear how i view about being a stepdad i think men should be open to marry women that have children but i don't think they should ever be stepdads i know you're gonna ask me what the hell you mean Mo. so go ahead and ask me what i mean yeah I mean, Mo, uh, what the hell do you mean <laughs> <laughs> what i mean by that is if i'm willing to marry you you should be able to make me a full parent of your children I don't want to be a stepdad. Stepdad sucks. I mean, especially when you're talking about with younger children. Um, oof. Uh, That's just my opinion. Like I said, not everything I'm saying in this show right, is right. advice I would give to my son. So right. you're getting the 100, you're saying unvarnished truth here. <clears throat> the reason I'm saying that is if he wanted to marry a woman with a child, I would say you need to get full custody of that child. Because nobody wants to go into that situation being a, uh, so now you, but now you basically invoke the family court system to screw a fellow man out of uh, out of a visitation or co parenthood. Maybe that's something that he wants because you put a, a you put a uh, a veto down on it because that's how right. that would get played out. That would go straight to family court, and then that's it, kind of kind of twisted that way. I understand. Right. I understand so what you're saying. You- but, that will make you want to seek out a woman that maybe the guy wasn't in the picture. Or let's start rehabilitating families. If you're saying, if it's not that big of a deal why y'all split up, won't y'all get back together? You see what I'm saying? But if you're going to marry a woman with a child, I just think, just speaking from a man's sense, nobody wants to be able to pay for the college, pay for the, you know what I'm saying, pay for everything. And then like, you're not my dad. Shut up. You know what I'm saying? It's like, 
okay, wow, no, I, I, yes, I, I understand. Okay, I mean, I have stepdaughters, but they uh, they came into my life uh, and they were already in college, and I didn't mm-hmm. pay for it. Uh, now, ever since then, <laughs> ever since then, I have all kinds of privileges of helping out, <laughs> and and as, as is Tina with my daughter. Um, it's a little different because you different. guys it are is older. Yeah. I'm talking about young. Because what I would like to see is it's a lot of great guys out here that would make great fathers. And you have a lot of women out here where the guy may not be in the picture or they just, whatever reason. I want to, like I said, I'm pro family. Mm-hmm. But I would advise that guy, hey, get you a good deal. It's all about the deal. I mean, this is, this is where, hey, it's transactional. If you want to be with that woman, you she wants you to be this raise her son as your own. Get it on paper, get legal rights, get custody. Because if you're gonna love that kid, you know, what I'm saying you don't want to have any barriers that can get thrown up in your face later. That's just my opinion. I appreciate, it. I appreciate your opinion, and, and I I can't really put myself in that situation because I've never been in that situation. Right, because I've seen a lot of guys get attached. Yeah, only only for the to be taken away, right? Yeah. Or get your, you know, that's not your child, right? Don't talk to my child that way. So that, well, this it, is my advice to my son. It is interesting how when the dog does something that is uh, not uh, what is bad, uh-huh. it's, it's always my dog. It's very interesting how of that course. works. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Meanwhile, oh, you're doing mo tonight? Well, I just I'm just gonna sit with my dog. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to my club, uh, but. <laughs> That's the first block. Hopefully, like I said, laid out some of the 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 uh, logistics in the gender war. It is real. Uh, I don't think it's beneficial in any way. So that's why I'm making this show. Hopefully, we were saying we could get people to lay down arms <laughs> and have a peace treaty. But we got to thank some people first. First, the white man and the black man have to be able to sit down at the same table. The white man has to feel free to speak his mind without hurting the feelings of that Negro. And the so-called Negro has to feel free to speak his mind without hurting the feelings of the white man. Then they can bring the issues that are under the rug out on top of the table and take an intelligent approach to get the problem solved. That's the only way that they'll ever do it. Yeah, it turns out we can uh, discuss uh, gender wars and actually black and white helps in that too. It helps us, uh, you know, kind of cut through all the all the pieces because... There's a lot of puppet masters pulling everybody's strings. Yes, there is. Um, this is a value for value podcast. Twice or maybe three times in this uh, in this first bit that we've been talking, we've discussed how uh, none of this works with advertising. In fact, a lot of it is based on advertising, and this entire conversation is not possible in the traditional media format. That's why uh, we are doing a podcast, first of all. It's value for value, meaning uh, we're not going to be dependent on corporate advertisers who will not touch us with a 10-foot pole. I mean, shoot, they didn't even want to advertise on Barack Obama and Bruce Springsteen podcasts, and that thing sucked. You know, and they didn't even touch any good topics, and they had to close down the show. Um, uh, so we just want to receive value equal to the value that you, the listener, the producer, has received from uh, the work that we've presented out. This is, this is episode 82 so a lot of work has gone into this. I, I, I shudder to even think about how many hours of, of work has gone into this, not just the recording, but all the preparation. So uh, we love to thank what we call our producers, executive producers, associate executive producers in this first block, who have actually done uh, one of the three T's, the time, the talent, the treasure. Lots of people helping out with time and talent, uh, propagating, 
letting people know about the show, showing up on the um, on the YouTube lives, uh, doing all kinds of stuff, uh, which uh, uh, is part of the the fax machine that uh, is whirring in the background. And uh, in this at this moment, we're going to thank the executive producers who really uh, understood what we talked about on the last show. Is that hey, you, you need to step it up if uh, we need everybody at least providing some value if we can continue with this. And a lot of people heard that call uh, loud and clear, and we appreciate it. Harvey Cody is uh, right off the top, and I guess we're just going to bestow the honor upon him. Baller, shot caller, 20-inch blades on the Impala. $555.55. We got to come up with a name for that donation. It's not a comment. A what? Five by five. (laughs) Ah, yes, of course. Five by five. Perfect. Uh, and he says, more MoFax, please. That's all he says. That's that's uh, that's the kind of note we love. Harvey, thank you so much. It's really appreciated. Uh, following close behind, Jimmy James, who says, Mo, I wish you all the best and hope this helps. It's not for me, but God, all as all I own is his anyway. Adam, I'm so excited to hear that you are seeing his light. And from my experience, it's the most fulfilling and greatest journey I ever undertook trying to understand his word and plan for me which I still seem to be figuring out, but that's okay. May you both continue to be blessed and bear good fruit. Mo karma for all. Thank you, man. That's very nice. Absolutely. You've got Mo karma. I mentioned that once on the show at the end of three and a half hours, a lot of people listened to the whole show. Apparently. Yeah. (laughs) A lot of people said, Oh, it's nice to hear what you're talking about there. Even I, even I took pride in that. (laughs) It's true. Um, Cape, four hundred dollars and thirty three cents, and uh, and Cape says, "Hey, sad puppy donation." Yeah, this <laughs> this is uh, this is when we I, when we put out the call, uh, we typically in the value for value world call that the sad puppy. It's like, hey, you know, this puppy is sad. If you don't help, the puppy's going to the pound. Uh, so he wants to be de- deadbeated right away. Congratulations, you're no longer. A deadbeat. Now, he also says that he's been streaming his precious Satoshis through Fountain, the Fountain app, which he will continue to do. We'll be thanking some of our boostergrammers later on. As an incredibly healthy 31-year-old, he writes, I was conveniently handed the option of being vaccinated in order to keep my job. Fortunately, and to my own disgust for not following in a similar path as yourself, I applied for and received an exception, but I know that I'll be one of the first on the chopping block for the next go-around, as I know this is nowhere being over. I'm no longer allowed into the office and have been working remotely. While my safe and effective teammates are allowed to go in as they please, ironically, I'm one of the best employees on my team, have received a promotion and generous pay bump in, the t- in that time frame, uh, somewhat keeping up with the real inflation rate. Mm-hmm. Because of this, I feel obligated to send you this donation. I found your show through No Agenda and No Agenda through uh, Tales from the Crypt. Oh, Marty Bent, man. Nice. I can't begin to explain the amount of value and entertainment I get from you and Adam working through these complex topics together. But more importantly, thank you for standing up for what you believe is right in a world where morals and first principles are becoming non-existent and for showing that even when there seems there's no hope, opting out is still a choice as long as you're willing to fight for it. I'm sure that once your kids are old enough to understand your decision, they will be uh, that will be one of the greatest life lessons you could give them. Although I haven't left my tyrannical company yet, my number one priority right now has been finding a way to gain financial sovereignty or at least find a company that doesn't want to shove a needle in my arm. Yes, indeed, Cape. Um, 
and this is based upon uh you know your your path that you took mo and you uh definitely uh, chose a path of freedom uh mm-hmm. and uh, and being a, a free sovereign man which is beautiful to see it was uh, great mark wants a biscuit on my birthday and he says uh, you're gonna need a bitcoin from reverend manning they always give me a biscuit on my birthday they're saying that all hell is going to break loose and you're going to need a Bitcoin. Ain't that the truth? <laughs> Jason Istra, I think, 366.32. Exceptional work. Been hooked for a while now, so I need to be de-deadbeated. Congratulations. You're no longer a deadbeat. And follows it with, this is just my cash back earned for the year so far. That's a great way. When you get like that free money, like that cash back money, think of Bofax. Kathleen Anderson, my favorite number, 333.33. Mo and Adam, thank you, Kathleen says. This is my first donation, long overdue. I started listening around episode 56, then went back and listened to all the episodes. I'm amazed at the information and enlightenment I've received. I have a question. With all the deceit, lies, and manipulation, when does it end? <laughs> well, the, the podcast will be over. A lot of podcasts would end if it ended. So, where it ends is when you stop letting him manipulate you. There That's you where go. it ends. That's where it ends. And we're going to de-debit you for that. Congratulations. You're no longer a deadbeat. Uh, Dave Cardenia. Hold on a second. Here we go. I got this one finally. Uh, Dave Cardenia sends 223.09. He's cousin Vito for those in the know. Interesting donation amount. He says he'd like some GBG and Wusa Karma, please. Do we have a pal? Wusa. Wusa. You've got Mocha. <laughs> Stephen Page, $150. Uh, producer credits. Kratom Batch Kitchen, done with the Watering Berries Basement. And on the next job assignment, wanted to send donation last week. This is code. But was informed that the gavel pits are planning to strike. Back at work today. Not sure if they will. Hope they'll settle. Need a little Mo Karma to keep working to keep the voodoo that you do and Adam do so well. Okay, we got the message. Hope everything works out. You've got Mo Karma. A123.45 donation from Philip Balu. And he just says value. Thank you. That's exactly what we want. That's the value you assign. We really appreciate it. Uh, Philip B. Brown, uh, a row of sticks, one eleven eleven, and he gives us a hearty ham radio seventy threes, KI five November Tango Yankee. Thank you very much, seventy threes. That's a ham speak, uh, Mo. Do a little ham stuff. Ryan <laughs> Ryan Nadeau, uh, hundred dollars and twenty one cents. A donation, he says. I don't want to be a deadbeat anymore. Well, you came to the right place. Congratulations. You're no longer a deadbeat. Bonnie Ray, we're still the executive producerships here with $100. I appreciate the knowledge. Thank you, Bonnie says. Giuseppe Conte, $100. Love the show. Uh, thanks, Mo and Adam. Long time no agenda listener. Been enjoying Mo Facts from the beginning and could not continue without donating. Please deadbeat me. Congratulations. You're no longer a I think this is the most D-dead beatings we've had in any show. Man, this is like family court on like Friday. <laughs> <laughs> and a Mo Karma as well. Here we go, Giuseppe. Mo Karma. We got $100 from Mr. Unnecessary. 
Uh, and Nah Dizzy for episode 82. Peace, Mo and Adam started listening around the Cosby episode. Hit my wife upside the head a few shows later. In true Cosby fashion. A D dead beating is in order for both of us. Well, I hope you don't mind sharing. Here you go. Congratulations. You're no longer a deadbeat. Big thanks uh, for what you do, cuz. <laughs> in October of last year, petroleum-based shenanigans threw me like a whirlwind, but I say no. No Vaseline? We back on no, our- I think that I think that's something PayPal's throwing this question. <laughs> I don't know PayPal what's going is doing on PayPal. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah, they're throwing some. Anyway, he says we're quote in there. Yeah, I'm sorry. PayPal threw sorry some. Sorry about that. Said no vastly. We're back on our feet and had to return a fraction of the value you guys have provided in these incredibly gangster times. This is the MF Doom of podcast. Excellent production, game changing content, and just different. Uh, y'all keep killing it. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Uh, Unnecessary. Here's what I would uh, recommend. We have so many people de-deadbeating themselves. Sometimes you have to call someone out as a deadbeat if you know that they're listening and they haven't provided any value back. Deadbeat Deluxe. It's always fun to try. Miguel Lopez, our last uh, executive producer, he says, episode 81 put me over the top. Had to donate for that one. Keep up the great work. God bless. Uh, then our associate executive producers, Aaron Sneed. Now we have two uh, two donations from him, totaling eighty five dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, family and community building. He says, "Thank you very much for the facts, fam." Jennifer Dorney, eighty one dollars. Mo in honor of episode eighty one and the year of my birth. I so look forward to these shows. You masterfully weave these rabbit holes together. So much love to you, Adam, and the whole facts family. Please keep shining the light in the dark places. I do need some Mo karma, please. Also. Is there a jingle for financial freedom karma? We could all use that in this clown show world we are living in. Um, I don't know if we have a financial. If hmm. we don't, we need one. We do. Yeah, we do. Well, you know, we can we can always just combine it with. Uh, so she needed a, a D dead beating as well. No, just the mo mm-hmm. karma. We'll do it. Yeah, we'll, we'll try it like this. Here's your financial freedom. This and all <laughs> hell is going to break loose and you're going to need a Bitcoin. You've got. There you go. Mo That's what I consider to be financial freedom. Donald Francis, $75. Thank you for that. Donald Edwin Torres, uh, $60. And uh, he wants the uh, the GBG jingle. We got the jiggle. Do we have a problem? Robert Steger, two donations from him, value for value, totaling $50. Thank you very much. Caroline Alexander, uh, $50, your invaluable insights. Thank you for everything you do. Marcus Hazard, let's not forget, uh, Marcus says, that you can't just send money one time to not be a deadbeat. A regular court-ordered once-a-month payment is probably the solution. See, this is (laughs) (coughs) a man who gets it. D-deadbeat me again. All right. Congratulations. You're no longer... A deadbeat. He says, I couldn't afford to pay a fax support payment these last few months because I purchased fax a <laughs> fax support. I uh, I purchased a ring. Oh. Regardless, I expect visitation, so I request somebody who isn't me to start up uh, to start up a meetup in uh, Northern Virginia. Yes. Mo, you don't have to show. Like Adam, I'd like to keep my imaginary image of you in my mind. You look like my best friend's dad. <laughs> and this All is right. I gotta tell you, it, it's 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 odd that way. It's like, yeah, you know, sometimes you know, well, I I have to meet you because I gotta hug you one of these days. 
Maybe, maybe <laughs> just do it blindfolded. That should work fine, too. Uh, oops, lost my place here. Uh, here we go. Uh, uh, so, uh, yes, in my mind, give me a oh, phone chirp if that's not too much trouble. Yes. <laughs> I'd like yak karma because yaks are cool. Uh, make blacks like yaks. Uh, and then he says, we don't do like Kanye. <laughs> What's that? I said, we do like Kanye. Is that true? <laughs> That's another name for Kanye. <laughs> oh, I got gotcha. you. You've got. <laughs> hey man, Marcus, thank you so much. It's really appreciated. Mike, That's how you sound. I have to drink Kanye. Mike Salmon, $50. Mo and Adam, another great episode. Dear Mama just came on my playlist. I immediately thought of the show. Do you think this song may have been a F.U. to Will from Tupac because Tupac's mother showed him the love that Will so desired? That may be a Space Jam that, reach. I like it. <laughs> but, 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 hey, I'll go with it. I I'll, like I'll it. i with you on that one. I like it. And that is from uh, Sir Ten Lee Stoned. Susan Hinkle, as we uh, move down towards the uh, the end of our uh, executive and associate executive producers, uh, $50, thanks for all you do. Love and blessings to you and yours from Sue. And Yemi Fawahinimi, Fawahinimi, Fawahinimi says, thanks for the great podcast, $50 as well. We'll be thanking uh, more of our producers in our second segment. I would like to just thank a couple of the people who boost a gram because uh, we got a lot of people signing up for podcasting 2.0. All you got to do is go to newpodcastops.com. And and if you got a cash app, Cash App is a great way to to put some uh, Bitcoin into your podcast 2.0 wallet so that you can be streaming real-time payments at the amount you desire to your favorite podcast. We hope this one is on your list. And also send these boostograms. It's very similar to a YouTube Super Chat, only it's better. And there's no one in the middle. It's directly from you to us. Uh, there's no PayPal. There's no Cash, cash App. Nothing in the middle. Once you got it in, it's good to go. And we start off with JL, uh, JLTATX, who, uh, this, oh, this is Cerveza of the backside of Pike's Peak. There you go. He says, oh, this, this sad puppy boost, 200,000 Satoshis. So we really appreciate that. Beautiful. Uh, 100,000 sats from Eric, who says, I'm trying the new app. Hope these sats find you well. See, we're onboarding people into Bitcoin. This is great. Thank you very much, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Eric. Patrick uh, sent 50,000 sats. Jacob R. Davis, uh, 50,000 stats. Thank you. 50,000 from Sir Sean of the Allegheny Valley, uh, a.k.a. Sean McCune. He says, boost in the facts. Chad Farrow, 50,000. Sad puppy boost. <laughs> this really worked, the sad puppy. Uh, Harv Hat, 44,000. And Harv Hat says, 44,000 Satoshis for 44 clips. Ooh, that's a good way to do it. That's a good way. That's a good way to to support. Thirty three. Uh, let me see. Thirty three thousand from NBS. Value for value. Sir Wags fifteen thousand thirty three says. Does this thing actually work? Why yes, Sir Wags, it did. Here's proof. Uh, Queen Mary Revenge fifteen thousand sats that came through Fountain fifty one fifty. A random boost. Dave Ackerman. Uh, we sent that for value for value for episode 81, 5,000 sats. Auburn Citadel, 49.49. Sir Doug says, great show, 4,400 sats. Mo is inspiring, according, according to the user letter 6173, with 3,333 uh, uh, sats. N4VX, 2323. Forget the third rail. You guys are throwing crowbars into Transformers. 
<laughs> we try. <laughs> we try. Uh, let's see, the final boost here from Clued 1611. I'm back to ask a philosophical question. Do you think that Patrice O'Neill's Black Philip was the black community's version of Jordan Peterson? As a white guy who needs to get his act together in the area of manhood, I feel like I've been getting the cherry Robitussin lessons from Jordan Peterson, but the buckwheat version from Patrice O'Neill. What do you think, Mo? It's funny, it's funny that he brings up Patrice O'Neill because he's one of the OGs of the manosphere type thinking. So, yeah, there, there, there is some validity to his statement. Okay. Patrice O'Neill is a, he's an OG of the, of the manosphere type thinking. And then uh, we have several other uh, boosts with no names or no boostograms. Uh, remember, if you want to send us a note, we'll be happy to read it. Uh, just uh, long press that boost button, brings up the uh, the boostogram, and uh, type away to your heart's content. And thank you all very much for supporting not just the show, uh, supporting the work, but also supporting the future of podcasting, independent podcasting, because after they come for you to deplatform you from Spotify and Apple, they come for your money. Uh, so that's what we are uh, trying to keep uh, censorship resistant and uh, and uh, and completely in ownership of uh, of all of us as the community. If you'd like to learn more about MoFax with Adam Curry, you can uh, go to MoFax.com. We have a donation page. You can go directly to that at MoFundMe.com. And again, thank you all very much for supporting with your time, talents, and treasure episode 82 of MoFax with Adam Curry. We're glad that everybody supported us for saying for this this episode and previous episode of the show. So now I want to get more into what uh what is her name? Uh Naomi was talking about about the corporate funding. Mm-hmm. And I in my truck uh that I've been driving, I don't have Bluetooth. So I've had to listen to the radio. And it is some of the most mind-numbing mind control that you ever want to hear to the point I had called my my man Young Grunt one day and I just had to vent to him. I'm like, I've been indoctrinated. You know, so (laughs) I want to give an example of what they're playing on the radio. Now, what station is this uh, that you're listening to? This is between either 93.9 or Mm 95.5, both out of Washington, Mm D.C. And in... They go in and out, so I can sometimes even get uh, the Howard radio station as well, mm-hmm. the campus radio. So, Man, but you live out in the sticks, don't you? It's like, like I can can barely get DC on the wireless, Martha. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, was trying to say, <laughs> <laughs> I had to come out with things make sense. But uh, um, this is I found out about this podcast by one of the hosts of one of the radio shows, uh, the Morning Hustle. And that's uh, hosted by L'Oreal, and she co-hosts with Eva Marcel. That's the top model winner. Oh, she, yeah. She yeah. now, she works with Ricky Smiley uh, on the Ricky Smiley Morning Show. So they have a podcast together. So it's amazing how much indoctrination goes across the radio. So they play segments from this episode of their podcast on the radio. Yeah, this is where we're at. Like, podcast is taking over radio. Hmm. Um. So this one was called, the episode was called Single Black Females. And the first clip I'm going to play is this shows that they're corporate funded by Macy's. So just to let people know where the money's coming from. See how we undress this whole entire mess on the Undressing Run podcast brought to you by Macy's. You know what? I got to 
give a little shout out to Macy's. You know, I love Macy's. They're always Go pulling Macy. up. Go, Go Macy's. Ma- now, huh, they are huh. always involved in what we care about in the community. And right. it is that time of the year again, everybody. <laughs> yes, it it's is Kwanzaa. So join Macy's. No, wait, boy. Hold on. Go, wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Step up. Go back. Not that community. Go back a little bit. I'm sorry. I was like, it's Kwanzaa. No, I was wrong. The year again. I, I, oh, wait. No, I know what it is. I, I know. Community. And it is that time of the year again, everybody. Yes, it is Pride. So join Ooh. Macy's this Pride Month as the Trevor Project National Pride partner for the fourth year in a row. They uh-huh. have raised over $3.4 million to help more than 53000 thousand lgbtq young people in crisis that is amazing we have to help them continue their impact by rounding up your purchases in store it's super simple easy as that you can also donate online this month and to support suicide prevention services for the lgbtq youth and wow it's not really (laughs) easy out here when you have people judging you and you may not be uh, you may feel a little different than others because that's how people make you feel. You know, yep. so sometimes you make people feel down and we want to make sure that that is not the case or at least we so can how, donate. How can we help again? Tell me. Okay, so you can shop <laughs> LGBTQ-owned brands and mm-hmm. Pride merch from brands like Levi's, Calvin Klein, Coach. It's a bunch of different varieties and more. You can find all of this out by going to Macy's.com forward slash purpose. I am so happy you played this. I, was, I knew you were fun. Because I am shorting Macy's stock immediately. I mean, they're really catering to a very, very small group at this point, but they're making it look really large. It's, it's, at least we know where these uh, podcasters are coming from. Now now you see what Naomi Wolf was talking about, yep. the corporate funding. Yeah, there it is. And There's your advertising right there. Naomi, we've moved the needle backwards. And it's disguised as podcasting because when people hear the word podcasting, they think organic. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like we see organic on a food box. Yes. Gra- think, grass oh, yeah, fed. Gotta be healthy. Yeah. Grass, grass fed. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to play that. Now you heard them about being accepting, right? Now we got to be accepting of people that's different. This is what they were saying about mm-hmm. the community. Yes. Now, now we're going to 21 when they start talking about black men. Now, speaking of purpose, what's going on with these um, statistics? What what are they saying in the research about these men out here? They're saying that uh, there's not enough black males who fit the needs of black women. Go figure. Now, on all black Go social figure. society, <laughs> recently they interviewed the host of Marry Me Now, Rebecca Lynn Pope, and asked her why black men are struggling in the relationship department. Well, she breaks down why it's harder for black women to get married, and it's because they're accelerating faster than black men. Now, based on research, women want to marry men on their level or higher financially and economically in status. Now, here's what she had to say. What do you think the challenge is that women are having, black women in particular, mm-hmm. when it comes to becoming a wife? Well, honestly, keeping it 100, yes. there's not enough eligible black males who fit the needs of black women. Wow. Mm. By the time you dissect the demographics of finances, sexual orientation, 
what you end up drilling down into because black women tend to want to marry black men. Right, right. You're now dealing with people who are either financially not ready. A lot of black women, black women are starting businesses at 4.5 times the rate of any other population or ethnic group, sex, 4.5 times more than men. Mm -hmm. Twice is more than white women. Mm. So black women are excelling. They're getting accelerated degrees, graduate degrees, doctorate degrees. They're starting businesses. Black women are running circles around men. Oh, oh my goodness. So because this group, black women, have are given money hand over foot by political operatives. Mm-hmm. And they are now poo-pooing black men because they're either poor broke or gay or gay yes <laughs> but we gotta we gotta support the lgbt community How hey so, hey hey <laughs> isn't that kind of working against what you're trying to do here uh well wait a minute does this mean yeah. that eventually black women should be marrying trans black men trans black women that look like black men yes that's yeah trans men yeah like Nancy yeah. nash yeah uh huh. Wow. Yeah, that's that. That was like the new face of black love on the cover of Essence. Her and her, uh, her and her um, trans partner. But oh, really? The point. The, yeah, the point I want to make is this: is this is what's being pumped out there? And notice, we're not talking about all black women here. They're talking about the PhDs, as Kevin Sam will call them. Uh, we've got our PhDs. We got our money. Now we're looking for our mates. Not realizing that that deal you made with feminists kind of hurt, yeah, <laughs> kind of hurt black men. And now they look around and look for their counterparts, and they can't find them. And then they try to put it off on the men, but while while all the time talking about systemic racism and how oppressive it is, and then say black men, why can't you get your crap together? It's like, hold on, I, I thought it was a thing called systemic racism right. that was holding me down. Yeah, I understand that, but it doesn't affect me. We know. And that's the point. That was the wedge. That's the wedge issue. Let you get yours, give you your money, and I'm not taking away anything for anybody, but as you pointed out, you had during 2020, during George Floyd, peak George Floyd, right. they were writing checks to who? They weren't writing to black men. Even though black men were the face of uh, the oppression. No, I think everyone has seen Patrice Cullors uh, multiple homes. Exactly. So I'm just saying like this, and but they don't speak for all black women. But what they do is Macy is funding this. That's why I played that first clip. Yep. This is corporate media pumping these ideas into a, tra- a trap audience and and i guess i don't have to point out that that macy does this also under duress uh from the environmental social governance the esg you bet, score you, you better you better believe it yeah you better believe it but also macy also benefits from this because unhappy women participate in retail therapy and let me buy that right dress so i'll look good to get the man and why don't I look pretty enough? Let me go buy some more makeup and let me know that kind of thing. So it's it's a win-win for them. Macy's definitely very female-centric, yes. Yeah. So I'm just saying, like, it's a win-win for them because what do you do when you're unhappy? You go shopping. Yeah. And where are you going to do that <laughs> shopping at? You're going to do it at Macy's. Macy's. Who, who brings right. you this podcast? That's Let's right. go and get to part three. <laughs> 
Right. And it's also shown in research that women want to marry on their same level of financial and educational status. So if you're a black woman making $150,000 a year with a master's degree, you tend to want to marry a black man on that same level or higher. Wow. I'm about to be brawny. (laughs) Find me my white man, okay? Listen. Oh, my goodness. There's so much in this. So I feel, sis, I think there are two things in this that stuck out to me. One of them is this idea. It kind of came up this morning on the morning show. We touched on it a little bit. But just the idea that we all out here trying to get married and have kids anyway. Mm -hmm. So let's start with that topic. The idea that if you meet a 32-year-old single black woman, it's because she has failed to find love versus she has prioritized herself and her career. Not everyone is built for marriage and not everyone prioritizes marriage. I think it is very disgusting to assume that because I am a woman, I am out here looking for a man to do anything for me. At least fill me up. At best, Mm -hmm. provide and protect me. And so that is the first problem, I believe. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's a married woman talking. She's married. Yes. Wow. <laughs> and she's pretty privileged because that's the that's that's uh she's on the radio. No, that's uh that's the that's the top model. Oh, the, oh, that's who's talking. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like she's married, happily married with children and everything. But she goes through this whole spiel about you know. uh it's 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 uh who who just say something's wrong with me for not being wanting to be married, but that's kind of how media sells it to you that something's wrong with you. Men aren't saying something. But yeah, that's but, why I never understood this that yeah, the we, man is gonna pick the woman that he wants. Why are they making it about all men? And even Amy Wolf says it's not men that are pushing this. Well, that's it's also corporate. That's also Disney. Yes, that's also deeply embedded. Um, it's funny, uh, Tina and I were talking about that the other night. Uh, and you know, I've, I'm fascinated by the history of money and, and how it came to be. And, uh, you know, diamonds became a thing and, and the history of diamonds, uh, as, uh, as, uh, you know, for marriage engagement, etc., really started in the 1930s when, mm-hmm. uh, gold was confiscated. You were no longer allowed to, you could have a little bit of gold, but it could, you know, you had, to, everyone had to hand over their gold in the United States. And then, uh, so, you know, that was the main thing you would give as a dowry to your future wife, you know, uh, either actual gold bars, coins, or gold, of course, that later turned into more traditional rings and, and other things. Uh, and and when that went away, that you know, this basically useless stone, <laughs> which looks real pretty, it came into being, and they just made up this two-month salary, you know, to, to buy the perfect ring. And it's all corporate media and deception. De Beers. De De Beers. De Beers owns the whole system. They own all the mines. They set the price. And now they're selling diamonds made in a lab. (laughs) And that's that's the other thing is like, yeah, you can't even tell, really. I mean, you can tell if you do some kind of test on it, but. Yeah, a lot of this diamond uh, uh, lab created diamonds. So, well, that's my point is all of these things are tricks. Uh, you know, to get you to consume, but ultimately to control you, to control 
how you spend your money, how you think about life, and uh, and to keep you going down the funnel. As uh, President George Bush said after 9-11, please get out there and shop. And to keep you unhappy. That's the main goal. So you can to... so you can make yourself happy with purchases. Right. Because you're trying to send me a guy that makes $75,000 a year can't make you happy? Why is that? Especially if you're making... 150000 you put those two together, that's a nice living. I'd say. But no, they want to have it. And when I say they, this is not specific to, you know, saying the black women, but this is black women that went to, you know, these schools and got around certain classes of women and they can go and meet their mates because they have these familiar relationships, right? Oh, they don't understand. It's a lot of arranged marriages going on when you get up to certain levels of power. It's not just, oh, I met him in a coffee bar somewhere. Uh-huh. No, it's they've been going to the same um, uh, country club for the last six years. <laughs> and their parents, you know, <laughs> yeah, put yeah. them in the same environment. You know, you have the same thing in, in saying the Blue A as well with Jack and Jill and these things where, you know, that's why you don't really hear that from like the real Blue A. Because they have this infrastructure set up where their kids can meet each other and, and get and, 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 you know, date and end up marrying. Yeah. But it's like it's debutante ball, that's having a all that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So. So, yeah, this is this is this is what you hear on the radio. And this is and then to say, oh, yeah, I'm going to get me a white man. Could you imagine if a black man would have said that on the radio? Like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get me a white woman. Can you imagine if a white man said I'm going to go meet a black woman? Oh yeah, you you know what you 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 be popping on Black Twitter right now. That's right. <laughs> White boy summer, you know what I'm saying? Like, hey, that was a real thing too. Um, yeah, but that's the thing. It's like, no, 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 no. You can't, you can't say, you can't say any of that. Um, you know what's what's interesting, and since we're just since it's you and me talking as we do, right? It would probably be even. Uh, I'm gonna see how this. It, it, this may sound weird and come out wrong, but mm-hmm. for sure I know that I have never been attracted to black women. I can see black women as beautiful, um, mm-hmm. as stunning, as you know, as uh, fascinating, uh, uh, all of the above. But I, you know, for me, it's like no. I, and I think probably I'm guessing that you who could never imagine yourself with a with a white woman. No. And that needs to be said sometimes. And it's not it's, racist. It's, no, it's, it's, it's not no, racist. It's just it's what Muhammad it is. Muhammad Ali said, hey, red birds like red birds, blue birds like blue. And if a red bird likes a blue bird, that's fine. But my issue with it is that they're pushing it as the solution. We heard Joe Biden say that, oh, what gives me hope is seeing all the mixed couples on commercials. Yeah. That's the replacement theory. Hello? Shit, did he say that? I didn't even, I never he even said, saw we, that. We covered it on the show. It's been so many shows, but yeah, he said that. My mind is mush. Him, yeah, when he was on talking to the the quote unquote civil rights leaders, it was like, "What gives him hope?" He was like, "When I watch TV, I see the, uh, the all the mixed race uh, couples on television it gives me hope." Which it's is like, which, yeah, which is actually so pathetic because uh, this escapes no one. Uh, I know that you probably watching commercials saying, "Wow, a lot of a lot of black folk in the commercials." We're looking at the commercials going. Wow, a lot, of, a lot of mixed couples in these all these commercials. You know that doesn't seem to represent true reality. 
No, it's, they're trying to make reality. Yes, yes, yes. And that, and of course, neither you or I are against that. But it's it, it's it's trying to shape something, and then you have uh, these two who are playing right into it, playing along, all part of the system. Uh, oh, and but best believe that doesn't go both ways. Because what she's saying, she's going to pull her a brownie. What she's talking about is LeBron James' son took a white woman, a white girl to the, the We prom. call that pulling a brownie? Yeah, well, that's what they called it now, I guess. <laughs> but <laughs> it was out of the old, how dare he, you know what I'm saying? What, you know, how, you know, that kind of thing. Even though it's in all the commercials and that's really encouraging. Uh, no, we're not supposed that, to do that. Yeah. It can't go the other way. No. You cute mm. black men can't go out. Oh, because, I got you. Yeah. And the funny thing was Dwayne Wade's transitioning son to a daughter, Zaya, had a white girl that's transitioning to a boy. And they were like coupled up. Nobody said a word. No, Nobody said a peep no, about that. Of course not. And I even made a tweet about it. But yeah, I mean, that's that's the that's where we're at with it. It's like, no, black men can't have any choices. And that's one thing I want to click clear about Kevin Samuels. He was for black families, but he said before black men take a bad deal, or any man takes a bad deal, consider all your options. And he got blew back from that. <laughs> So I I'll mean, just, just, yeah. <laughs> so I guess we can go ahead and jump into. I think we stopped at three, but let's go ahead and jump to five because I just want to hear this uh, one one clip in here about how. Just go ahead, go ahead and play. Black women, we like our men. We love our men. I love yeah. my husband. He black as it is. All three of my black brothers, my black daddy, my black boys. I'm raising, and so. Don't lose hope in our black men, sis, because if we don't keep the hope, then no one else will. Don't lose the hope. Yeah, and I, I do want to say I appreciate the black men that are out there really standing up for black women, really saying how much they love and appreciate because there are a lot of black men out there like that. But unfortunately, you know, um, the voice comes through of those Louder. that are that are doing the opposite, you know, yep. and it, it is hurtful when you go to march for and battle for and do all this for the for for your black for the black man and then they're turning around and uh degrading um raping um what? taking advantage of uh what? beating um and and robbing because i've been seeing a lot of um black men lately that just don't even care and they're oh, robbing. It's run up season it's yeah, run up season they're robbing black women and i remember when i was younger that was one thing where it was like women and children to to certain gangsters it's like off limits like you're not gangster if you're doing this to a Since woman the game of the, the the rules to the game have been completely abolished no yeah, work, on, they started no work on sundays not at the grandma house like the whole rule book for gangsters is thrown away Girl, ever since they started carrying purses. <laughs> oh, there it is. There it is. Wow. This is let crazy. It soak in. Let it soak in. This is yet we celebrate gangster when they're dead so we can use them for Black Lives Matter. They celebrate gangster at the next song plays <laughs> on the radio. What are you talking about? At the same time, while you're advertising, you say that when they start wearing purses. But you just said how great LGBT month was for Macy's. It's so, so twisted. <laughs> it's like, huh? 
Yeah. These are the same people that say, oh, you need to get on the side with the LGBT and yeah. hold the door for them. It's, this is the same thinking. As I'm, as I'm listening to this, I'm thinking, <laughs> poor Will Smith. The, Exactly. That, that brother is locked that. into this shit 24 hours a day. No wonder he says, uh, I got to stand up for my wife and family. I have to do something. You better. Yeah. Like I said, she got the teak. Now you hear the conditioning and you can never be good enough. This proves it. And it's like I said, this is not talking about most of the sisters out there. This is that ruling elite. This is, Now you're hearing the Crown Bill 2.0 talk. Yeah, of course. Now we're robbing us and they're raping us. And I want I'm got a show I'm making. <laughs> they're robbing us and raping <laughs> us and putting our money in their purse. Right. <laughs> but Wow. Support George Floyd. Yeah, exactly. You see, you it's it's it's, it's the who literally who literally who literally held a gun to his to a, a pregnant woman. But we can use him to get money from all these big corporations. So hey, Macy's. Yeah, just like I mean, all these companies writing these checks. You know what I'm saying? Tell me again. Women, uh, tell me again. These entrepreneurs. Tell me again. These two women. I, I got to. This is uh, put on my, sh- my hit list. This, my shit list. This, this is uh, Eva Marcel and L'Oreal. L'Oreal. Yes. Okay. Put uh, so put, now I'm just yeah. This is black radio at its finest, and black radio is not for men. I don't think Clearly men listen not. to black. I don't think black men listen to the radio. To be honest with you, so you can't pin on us all the debauchery that go on the radio. You know, saying that you know children are exposed to, and then wonder why you know they're wearing purses or whatnot. That that's that's the damnedest thing to me. She's like, oh, you're gonna blame it on the purses, but then you just sit here. Man, I digress. Now this was um, this was the Ricky Smiley show. No, were? this is their podcast. By this is the undressing room. Okay. Oh, Pod, okay. this is a specific it. podcast for them. Oh, okay. but they bring two powerhouse syndicated radio personalities together, and this is what Macy's is is uh, funding. Now imagine if Macy's was funding anything close to this on the other side of the spectrum. Oh, they would be canceled. They would be Chick Fil A. It's 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 Chick Fil A. There you go. That's it. Right. So now we're moving. This is uh, Wheezy from the horrible spell, actually like horrible um, podcast uh, with her and Mandy B. But this is her talking to Adam Twenty Two from No Jumper. He's going to invoke the name Kevin Samuels because he know out of the blue because he knows she's going to set her off and then listen to her get triggered. I really enjoyed the Kevin Samuels interview we did, but I just can't listen to another evaluation of another woman's dating situation. Like, you over- had Kevin Samuels on? Yeah. And I, I friends- think he's a terrible person. Okay, we can talk about that. But I, I just have a lot of friends who like watch this shit over and over. And I'm like, bro, at a certain point, don't you feel like you've just learned enough about like unhappy women who are like having <laughs> a hard time dating? It's not like it, the clips at first to me, like they were jarring to see, but like building a brand on shitting on black girls, like, I don't like that. You really think that's what it is, though? 100%. Well, I think some of the advice has been, um, I would say, conducive, but, like, for the most part, like, no, your most viral and salacious shit is really talking about women badly. Right. And, like, I don't like that. Like, but don't you think that, like, the, the women that he's shitting on, like, they deserve it? No. <laughs> really? No, I don't. I think, like, the, the, the point that I was so easily able to call from the Kevin Samuels thing was just, like, 
these women are being raised to not understand what the fuck is going on. Like they just really telling think, girls they're fat, looking like a linebacker, shit like that. Like that's fucking nuts. The women that he says that to are the women who think that they're gonna get some. Like I've seen these women who are like three hundred pounds saying that they deserve a guy who's making you know million dollars a year and shit. And it's like, and now we have Kevin Samuels to let them know. And I think that he's actually doing important work. <laughs> I can't wait for Dr. Umar to get his ass. I really hope they get him. <laughs> but doc, Dr. Umar is living in a fantasy world. Kevin talks about real shit. How is Dr. Umar in a fantasy? Because he kind of relies on these like fake arguments, too, of being like, you, you say mean things to black women. It's not really about no, that. No, Dr. Umar is like way deep. Mind you, he's super homophobic, and I can't even believe I'd be sticking up for him like this. But like, right. I have really seen Dr. Umar for the good in what he's taught people about blackness that I fuck with him for it. I think like when I'm making the Dr. Umar Kevin Samuels joke, I really just want someone to see Kevin Samuels. Like I want to see someone really tell him about himself because I think he needs that. I'm not that person to do that. You're not that person to do that. But Dr. Umar, I think it really tear his ass the fuck up. Dr. Who? Umar Johnson. Ah, we need, we need a black man to attack another black man is what we need. It's not your job, Adam, as a white man. Not you, but Adam 22. Yeah. And it's not my job as a, I think she's a mixed woman, uh, to take on Kevin Samuels. We need a black man on a black man violence. That's what we need. Yeah. Yeah. And Kevin yeah. Samuels all straightened out. Yeah. This is, this is where we're at with it. And this Adam knew he would trigger her. Yeah. Very, very. And it's like, she, even she said, Dr. Umar, he's homophobic, but I can look past his homophobia. For my own, you're saying to use him to weaponize him for my own good. This is so twisted. This is, this is where we're. This is where we're at, and you wonder why there's a black manosphere, and you wonder why there's uh, diversity in thought and a separating of uh, uh, of the two. <laughs> um, and I don't even want to say two sexes because it's not about on the on the personal level. This is playing out on politics and economics. Well, un- is- unfortunately, they have the media. Do they? Uh, I don't think so. I think that what the mainstream. I, I don't. I don't. I don't. The black the women. Main, the mainstream is crap now. Oh, it's oh, crap. Uh, oh no! I, I don't, don't get me wrong, because of course I completely believe in the power of you know what we're doing and other and what Kevin Samuels was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but. It's we're still in a transitionary period. I mean, black radio is still very important. Uh, I'm I, I, I mean, black Twitter still has influence. It's very important because it gets to people for free. But see, this is the thing about podcasts and YouTube lives and videos and whatnot. People can access that for free as well. Mm-hmm. So that kind of balances the the selling point for, for the radio versus listening to podcasts or lives. Because like they're both free. They don't cost me anything. So I can easily download a Kevin Samuels episode instead of listening to morning radio. Right. And that's why I'll say it again. We're kicking their ass. Now, it's not that we have somebody as big as Joy Reid or Don Lemon but when you factor up everybody that listen to a message that's counter theirs, the number we we we're saying we eclipse them mm. by saying it. Trust me, because Kevin Samuel's pulling down twenty, thirty thousand people in his lives every mm. night. Mm. You think Don Lemon's doing that? Honestly, no, 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 no. Hey, that, look, look, uh, yeah. 
I'm always telling you on the independent media. I mean, you really, you really don't have to do that. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you, and I and I think I support the concept. <laughs> so yes, <laughs> no, I'm just saying that we gotta we gotta we gotta remove that. Well, no, talking what, point because it's only a talking point. They don't have anything on us. But we have to remove one other thing. We don't have to do it for purposes of this conversation. Yeah. But one of the many reasons that uh, that that we do this podcast together is because we're men, and right. this is an attack on all men. And so my brother, my white brothers, and my brown brothers, and my red ones, and my yellow ones. This is also about us, mm-hmm. and that's what's important. It's about all of us. It's about family. It's about women. It's about, okay, we got one way where you can have a man and woman living together with children. You know what I'm saying? Whether it's mixed families like the Brady Bunch or, you know what I'm saying, or just a normal nuclear family, you know what I'm saying, from the two parents. But you need family. Mm-hmm. We're at the we're past the point of this. Do you not see the price of things? See, this I have this weird, and I said this on Ground America a long time ago. All this weird stuff that they're pushing, I don't think it's to highlight the weird stuff. When I mean by weird, like all the different genders and all this stuff that they're pushing, I think it's to galvanize the people that I think they want to procreate to procreate. Hmm. So your concept would be, uh, we want these people to procreate, and so n- now with the Economy is going to be necessary for people to to be together. You damn right. I yeah. mean, like, you rather have a roommate or or, or a wife. Yeah. You're gonna live with somebody. Yeah, I mean, we're past sure. the point of <laughs> living on our own. So they're like, okay, well, all three of and, our girls uh, living with somebody, uh, not married, and uh, and and actually very happy because all their rents went up thirty percent. Right. So, and what the men are looking at is like, hold on, we, we're living together, and I'm obligated to protect you, and you know, what I'm saying, you know, I, I, I help feed you and clothe. It's going very ca- not caveman in the aspect of like, woo, me caveman, but in the aspect of protecting, providing those very base uh, principles of relationship between a man and a woman. We're getting to that point. It's going to be soon where you're going to have one car. Yeah. Like two cars is going to be a luxury. Yep. So I think by having shows like this and discussion like this, we're helping where people can seek first to understand and to be understood to make more families and marriages and you're know saying and homes and that kind of thing. Because America reward I mean, don't get it. Don't be confused. They're confused. America re- rewards nuclear families. America rewards having children in yep. the right way. Yeah. Look at your taxes. <laughs> yeah. Y'all are married? Oh, good. Yes. Yes. Because they know that's good for society, but they've got to the point now that, yeah, we got to weed some of these people out. And, and I think they're doing it in a very disgusting way. I don't agree with it all, but I think who we think are in charge are not in charge. I think it's a very pro, pro family movement, pro, uh, nuclear family movement at this, I think is just steering the wheel right now. That's just that's just my okay. perception of it because it doesn't make any other sense. You're galvanizing people to have kids. Well, just look at the commercials and tell me what you see. That's 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 what the desire is for you to be. 
I think that's the troll the people that they want to have kids to even have more kids mm-hmm. and to buy guns and to be <laughs> resourceful. You know, yeah. it's like it's that it's that thing. It's like we're gonna get. I hate to be able to point, but I just want to give an example. I think they look at like this, and this is very cold. And I want to make sure people understand that I am putting my lizard hat on when I'm saying this. To my lizard thinking cap. They're saying, if you're dumb enough to cut your kid's penis off, we don't want any more of you around. So do us a favor and cut his penis off. Mm. That's the last generation we got to worry about those genetics. Mm. But they frame it in a way it's like, <laughs> oh, we celebrate this. No, oh, they're no, celebrating it to no, get rid of. That. Yeah. Mm. So I, I, that's why I think they're coming. They, when they, it's, it's a gas and the brakes to this. <laughs> Is that we need more productive people and we need less non-productive people. And I think this is the gauntlet and the thresher that they're putting people through. That if you get caught up in the gender war, you ain't meant to go into the next <laughs> You're being eliminated. Phase. Yeah. Yes. Wow. And that's why I feel the obligation to make people aware. It's not to get into the fracas of the gender war. No. That's real it's- cynical, but uh, I, I can't disagree with it. <laughs> it like look at these families now i mean like the fan like real like the conservative families they're having four five six eight kids yeah they're like oh we're gonna need each other yeah. <laughs> you know that kind of thing and like yep. the the powers be like well done you're gonna raise productive society and we're gonna eliminate what they call useless eaters and i, I find that to be very sad yeah and, and of very, course very sad. it makes me sad there's a lot of uh a lot of uh Young couples who uh, who have been programmed to not want to have children and have dogs instead. And that goes into it, that if you buy into that, that's not the kind of person that we want to take forward. Wow. Okay. I'd never really considered it that way, but that's, that's, wor- that's worth a lot of consideration. It's like uh, we weed them out by uh, making it very apparent who we don't want. Yeah, because they couldn't stop you. <laughs> right. It's kind of like they couldn't stop women from smoking cigarettes, right? So it's like, oh, let's give them to them and tell them they're great things, and they'll smoke it. It's the same. It's the same. So that's a, that's a, a a a call out to the LGBTQ plus. Be careful. Be, be careful of anything they're accelerating. Yeah. The same the same way I look at, like I said, with all all of this, I'm very uh, skeptical about all these people, but. I guess what we can do now is um, I, I had the clip of him calling the woman and running back, but it, it, I don't want to really get into that. I want to go more into how she tried to frame him as worse than uh, his white counterparts. So that's uh, what, 27? 27. Yeah. Well, it's I just hard. mean the viral clips of like, you know, you calling girls ugly. Like they're always. And, and believe me, he takes it way too far. He says the rudest, most fucked up shit I could ever think that's what of. I mean. And he knows that he's doing that and he's going to get extra media attention from his audience for like. But see, Howard Stern, a Charlemagne, people like that that can make those moments happen without being that disgusting, that's talent. What Kevin Samuels is doing is just like. 
mean you the way that you can bring out things to people and either get them a little riled up or angry or whatever like that's not you really really shitting on someone for this fucking moment that kind of shit i don't really like like i would never want to be in the position of having to do the kind of content that kevin samuels does and but actually that's why i think it's almost kind of like brave because charlamagne like would never speak to a woman on his show that way granted he doesn't interview just like random ass women who have nothing going for him but i feel like he has too much of a career. He knows that his his career would probably fucking but torpedo no if he said that kind of shit. It. The point, though, I think is just to be real. He, just be but honest. Charlamagne doesn't need to do that. But don't you think we're in a society that really disincentivizes being honest? Is honesty calling someone a linebacker? I mean, if she's the size of a linebacker, then I Dude, mean, she's a linebacker. Right? I mean, <laughs> I just I feel bad, bro. Like nobody would ever get on a woman's ass for saying the same thing to a fat man. Basically, is what I would say about that. Mm-mm-mm. All right, bump it. We're going to go play it. He said running back. Let's yeah. just go ahead and get, let's get <laughs> into 26 and then we can talk about a little bit, not too long, because I want to get, keep it fresh in people's mind. What she said about Howard Stern. I got a clip of Howard Stern being Howard Stern. But you so want- let's get into 26. Okay. But you weighed more than a man at your height. True or false? <sighs> I'm around a lot of chubby dudes, so... No, no, but but okay. How much do you weigh? 220. I weigh 210, and I'm six foot four. You broke the first rule. See, you ladies don't mind breaking the rules. The men are visual. The men want women that are fit, feminine, friendly, cooperative, submissive. I don't mind being the size of... I'm sorry, you're five foot eight? I'm five foot eight. You're about the size of Emmett Smith or Barry Sanders was. <laughs> you're a running back size. Okay. You can hit the A gap like a motherfucker. Yeah. All right. I accept. So don't that. come in here talk about what men should not be able to do when they got to accept uh, somebody who can run out the power eye. <laughs> okay. I mean, right. I'm being silly. Well, at the same time, no, no, no. I'm being silly because, but I'm being silly because I, I, to make a point that modern women are so full of righteous indignation. What you are and ain't going to accept and all this other kind of stuff when you're not even what most men want. <laughs> no, and I'm working on that. You said I, I'm 23. You said that I can. I have until like 25. There's no reason to be 23 and 220 pounds, man. You ain't had no babies. There's absolutely no reason to justify unless it's something, unless it's glandular that you got a doctor's note for. There's absolutely no reason. <laughs> okay, I'll give you that. I give. You all that. right then. But- yeah. Well, he's he's harsh, but sometimes it's hard to hear what you don't want to hear. And and every one of these women call him. And like I said, I'm not taking up for Kevin because hey, he don't need to be taken up for. He can handle himself. But but the, the thing but, is, is that listen. Go ahead. Well, but what I'm hearing, and of course, I've not watched a lot of Kevin Samuels. I'm not in, almost in none of his demographics except for man, and I I wish I'd watched a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, what he's really doing is is counter counteracting one of the biggest uh, Jedi mind tricks of our age, which is the positive body image, which has just been taken to a degree that is way too far. Because if I mean, he he's going against everything that society has been, to- you know, you can't body sh- he's body shaming. That that would be what it's called. He's he was body shaming and but the 
it's it's like it's like when artists do art for the no agenda show they they send in the art and they know they're going to be critiqued when it doesn't win and it's no good but it's important for people to hear that sometimes and the thing is these are let me be clear about who's calling him yeah women that are trying to convince him that they deserve top 10 percent men it's not like I said, it's not, his thing is, why don't you go find somebody on your level, which if a man, if, if a man was told that, like a guy was like, okay, I'll give you a perfect example with Lizzo. She curbs guys all the time. They're interested in her. Well, if a guy said they're not interested in her, then oh, it's the, it's a crime. Yeah. Oh, why, why would you date Lizzo? And it's like, she wants to get with whatever, what's the dude, Magic Mike or whatever his name is. Like, you want to get with one of the top Hollywood guys? It's, it's, but it's a regular guy that was fit and tried to say, oh, you're just a regular guy. How dare I? It's like this double standard. Is, and this people are tired of playing the game of, I'm not going to play this game with you anymore. And that's, and I wanted to play these two clips back to back because, you could hear even he said I'm being silly. She's kind of chuckling, like she knows kind of. Oh, I, I get it. You know what I'm saying? Okay. And, and he, like I said, he uses cuss words, or whatever. But now I want to compare that because Weezy from the Horrible Podcast says, "Uh, Howard Stern would never talk to people like that." Oh ah. yeah, <laughs> this is Howard Stern talking about Wendy Williams. Cunt. Fuck you. Wait, wait, stop, stop, you stop, 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 stop. I got a. Take the kids out the room. I'm sorry for the last one, but please, it's going to get ugly. Cunt. Fuck what? you. You oh heard goodness. me. Fuck off, cunt. Oh, my goodness. Can't you- by, by the way, Howard Stern, when he left public airwaves, that's what ruined mm. him because he had this natural force that was called the FCC you know, he was against the man, but he always had to stay within certain guidelines. And once they could say any curse word they wanted, I feel the show went downhill. Right, you got you got to have got to have something you dip, duck, dodging, and diving like YouTube. You got you got to have some of it. Yeah. It's nothing but the FCC. That's all it is. It's like <laughs> how far can I push it? You know. Uh, yeah, uh, but you, it, all, you it, talk it, about this a lot about being canceled in the cancel game and that kind of thing. Right, but but it, it's. Some of that is just unnecessary, you know. It's like we don't do that. We're not continuously. Now we are. We're able to play it because we're on a podcast. But right. it, to me, it, it it just it shows poor communication. But anyway, it doesn't matter. I agree oh with my god! Can she finish? You know what she said? The last time I had in here, she was giving me some goddamn attitude with this Hollywood crap. Yeah, I'm a real Hollywood insider. You should see the wild life I'm living. You got those big fake tits, and I'm Hollywood, huh? Shut the fuck up. Cunt. Oh, he kisses everyone. I'm I'm not kissing your ass now, cunt face. (laughs) Fuck off. The fuck's wrong with her? Broad doesn't have an original thought in her goddamn head. Busy being Howard Stern. And now now she's got... You mean because I've had success, I'm Hollywood? What, because I know Jimmy Kimmel? That's real Hollywood. Who am I hanging out with? She doesn't know even who I'm hanging out with. She doesn't know what I do with my life. She doesn't know who I go, who I hang with. You worry about your husband, not me. Fuck off. Sick of her. Her bullshit show.
Who started, like me, being of the people? Oh, she's of the people with the fake tits. And the bullshit. <laughs> and the Botox. But at some point, you sat behind that microphone for too long, and now you are the people? And for somebody like... Yeah, I'm the people. I've just had this charmed life, you cow. <laughs> Frog-faced bitch. Shut the fuck up. Oh, man. I'm just sick of her. This says a lot about Howard. Oh, my exactly. goodness. Thank you. My goodness. Now, I have never seen Kevin Samuels or anybody talk to a woman or about a woman like especially that. Especially a black woman. A white man talking about a black woman like that? Are you kidding me? But guess yeah. what? Yeah. No, nobody said anything because now we got a... Uh, I got the response from the Breakfast Club, and this is about Howard Stern apologizes. Well, if you guys remember, Wendy Williams and Howard Stern used to have a great relationship, but then mm-hmm. they had a falling out, all because Wendy Williams was talking about Howard Stern's book coming out and said this on her show. Howard is so Hollywood right now that everything that you say is so predictable. Every story is going to be about, you know, oh, I love this one, and then we went on their yacht, and he's a Hollywood insider now, which sucks, because you're, you started, like me, being of the people, but at some point you sat behind that microphone for too long, and now you are the people? Yeah, that's whack. If we're supposed to be friends, if we're supposed to be cool and you feel that way, come to me first. Don't just say it on your show and then don't expect me to, to clap back because I'm going to clap back. Well, Howard Stern was triggered. And no here's kidding. what he had to say on his show because it was brought to his attention and then he talked about it for like 40 minutes. What a <laughs> What a <laughs> bug eyed <laughs> you. You got those big fake <laughs> and I'm Hollywood, huh? Shut the f up. Worry about your husband, not me. Sick of her. Her bullshit show. I'll bet 20 bucks she pees standing up. I hope her nuts <laughs> get stuck in a zipper. I'd <laughs> RuPaul before I'd her. I watch RuPaul's Drag Race. She makes okay. RuPaul look like Margot Robbie. Now, I don't see nothing wrong with that. You t- you clap at me, I'm going to clap back. He just went a little far, but <laughs> he, took he it did it. Very wow. He said 40 minutes. He did it for like three hours. Well, Howard Stern has apologized. You know, he's um, said that he does apologize and is expressing love for her and all of that at the Hollywood on The Hollywood Reporter. Where did and he apologize? On The Hollywood Reporter. Uh, he apologized okay. in his article there. Yeah, you know why? Even Howard gets the call. Even Howard gets the call. But even they know to stay in their place because Howard can make calls, too. True. So they were like, oh, I can see. Oh, you know, I can see it happening. Uh, I don't see no problem with what? (laughs) This is my point. This is my point right here that they're all bought off. This whole media is bought off. It's not about any principle to it. It's not about, oh, you know, protecting our women or the image of our women. None of that. It's that Howard Stern could talk to about uh, Wendy Williams all he want to, and they will not step out of line to say anything about Howard Stern because he know he can have every one of their jobs anytime he wants it. He, he still has legit power. He is very Hollywood. There's no doubt about it. Right, he could call it a hot night seven or whatever it is, breakfast club. I'm like, hey, you know that? Yeah, him. I want him gone by the end of the day. Like, also, Bill. See, that's what Bill Cosby was doing. Yeah. So it's not that like it's not. You're know saying it wasn't. It can't be done on both sides. Mm-hmm. But that's them bowing down to the powers that be. But then you say Kevin Samuels, but you, you she brought up Howard Stern is oh he doesn't do it like that, really. Mm. <laughs> 
<laughs> he sure did. <laughs> worse, so this, much worse. Much worse. The C one. Yeah, I mean, this, that that's the one you don't. Never I have use. never used that. Exactly. Never, every, never. Everybody, I think every mother has told us you. This the one you don't never use. That's up you there with. Ever, that's yeah. up there with n words, man. That's like this yeah, shit that's in your that head. Like the, that does not slip out. Yeah, that does not slip out. Yeah. And then the b word too. That one is not, also uh, also. Yeah. So he just went. Hey, I'm just going to show you that the double standard. So now I got the actual clip that blew Kevin Samuels up. And this, he, you think of all the things he said, telling a woman that you look average is best and you're going to die alone is what blew him up to mega viral status. So I got uh, two clips from that. There's a whole video. You can go listen to the thing, saying the whole thing, but I just want to listen to the two uh, clips of the inter- uh, exchange between him and the woman. Average looking woman with a 13 year old son with a sketchy baby daddy. <laughs> this gets worse every time I say something. And now you're asking for a man who's in the top 10% of men. You don't qualify for one. And you're making, I mean, I don't, I don't want to have to go there, but when you put in the, all these other factors, why can't you just get a man that's an average guy? Sometimes I feel like um, in order to fully submit, I have to feel like he's in. Well, then you're gonna then you're gonna die alone. How about that? Right, let me just cut to the chase, ma'am. Uh, you can feel like what you want to, but women like you die alone, straight up. Because you think you're better than the men that you qualify for. And the only reason, honestly, ma'am, that I can see a woman like yourself really thinking you deserve more is because you earn more because you earn more money than most people around you in North Carolina. But if your ass worked at the post office, you would not think so highly of your opportunities. And that's the reality. We don't men don't care about your money. Not the kind of men that you want. We don't care about your money. It ain't ours. We care about the fact that you are older and you got kid. And you're average. Yeah. Average. That was the cuss word. (laughs) The A A word. (laughs) The the A word. Yeah, you say, because what happened was, to be honest, the manosphere specifically more specifically the black man's fear use that as an insult you're average at best and it was received as an insult what i hear being said and this is why i want to do this because there's a there's a there's a point to all this what i'm, what I'm talking about and we're going to hear it in a little bit but he said that you uh, you look down on the men that you qualify for right you look down on the men. So what he's being is advocate for men to say, what's wrong with you being with a quote unquote average man? If you're average at best, he's average at best. Why don't you guys get together and you're saying be average together? Do you think that, um, that he was, that the reason he did this was, it could be either or, or yeah, it could be both to try and guide women towards something towards reality um 
But was he also at the same time helping men? Do you think he, uh, his pure intent was both? Because he just sounds like he's being honest. He, the thing, the, the, the whole thing is that he talked to men like this and worse. See, his channel originally was talking to men. Men, right. Yes. Like, hey, you don't make enough money. You know what I'm saying? You, you, you're a bum. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and it would tell him to like that. Like, look, you're X amount of years old and you only made this. You know, how are you going to have a family? How are you going to take care of a woman? That kind of thing. Mm. It's only when he turned honesty the other way. And these women sought after him. You know, like I said, every woman he talked to, they called him yeah. or, or, saying, or got on his, uh, on his social media in some kind of way. But it's that thing of, why don't you just be with somebody that will love you for you? You know what I'm saying? No, that's that goes against the Disney programming. And people think, I know your eyes might roll when I say Disney programming, but when you've told young girls they're princesses, you're a princess, you're a princess, you're a princess. Someday they, my prince will come. Exactly. Then 16 years old, you have the sweet 16. And then, you know, all, you know, spoil, 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 spoil. The reality is not there. It's just, just not there because it's, it's not in our society. Because every girl, Cinderella was only one person in the whole story. But every woman thinks they're Cinderella or some kind of princess, Disney and, princess. And please, and please note, Cinderella had three, quote, ugly stepsisters. Exactly. <laughs> they literally were ugly. They were called ugly stepsisters, weren't they, in the, in the fairy tale? I think they were. They used the U word. Right. Hmm. So I'm just saying that, but in the story, everybody identifies as Cinderella. Of course. And there's going to be a prince there. And of course, there is a prince for you. But he might not make six figures. He might not be over six feet tall. You know what I'm saying? He might not have a full, a full head of hair. But that guy's gonna love you like you know what I'm saying, like like the queen that you are. But you can't come into it wanting to be worshipped either. And I think that's the real flaw or fault in the cohabitation in the in the getting along of men and women. Is this these these crazy expectations? And I know I'm going along, but I just want to make this one point. I think a lot of this plays into internet dating. Because it makes you think that you have what, what is it, nine, eight, nine billion people in the world that you have like four billion options. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So everybody's waiting out, like, you know, oh, there's a deal out there for me that can work with my budget. And it's like, it doesn't work that way. There is no uh, there's no doubt that online dating has changed the game to an enormous degree. Some of it's very successful. Um, but I would say the way the, the, most of these apps are set up, it's not really meant for, it, it doesn't seem like it's going to be, have a high ratio of success. And you use the word game and that's what it's turning to swipe left, swipe right, yep. swipe left, oh, yeah. swipe right. It's a, it's a game. And I'm not, I mean, what I'm just saying is before pre-internet, you had to meet somebody at the church. Yep. Or at school. <laughs> well, also, or, we, we don't we don't have all these visual cues anymore. Um, body language, uh, pheromones, you know, all the right. all these things that uh, that that make the the mating slash dating game so um, so natural. Uh, I remember when I was uh, recently single, uh, nine years, eight nine years ago, my daughter 
came out to kick my ass. And, uh, and he said, okay, you were going to put you on, uh, on Tinder. I'm like, oh, brother. And she says, no, no. And, and she made my profile. And mm-hmm. she chose a picture with me with other women in the, in the picture. You know, it's like, no, no, this works. And she had oh, this. I mean, the whole thing was gamified. And of course, the the results were predictable. It was it was incredibly disastrous. One date, it's like okay, Tinder's not for me. Right, but it was gamified. It was gamified, and it was not really intended for any type of relationship. And when you gamify things, there's going to be winners and there's going to be losers. Yeah, for sure. And I just don't think that's a necessary. I think there's a win win here yeah. uh, uh, for it to be had, but. That that's 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 it for you know uh for that block of it and as you see the die alone thing that was a real uh that was a real tell tells pill to swallow but we'll talk about it more but we gotta thank some more people. I like brand new money. I just I don't want any money around me. Is not. I'd almost rather have a a new one than a brand than an old twenty. Now that's kind of dumb, isn't it? but there's something about new money that excites you. You like hundred dollar bills. Oh, yeah. I like oh. new money, too. Oh. Most beautiful thing on earth is a $100 bill. I hadn't seen a woman as good looking as a $100 bill. There's something about a $100 bill that excites you. <laughs> we like new money, too. Uh, we like receiving new money. We like the new money that is the Bitcoin in the Satoshis, which we talked about earlier. But we do have a couple more producers to thank who came in through Cash App, PayPal, any other avenue that you can imagine, uh, mofax.com. And uh, we appreciate the 4444 we got from uh, Brandy Bledsoe. And, oh, this is Mama B. And she, (laughs) so when I said, I guess I mentioned that we had 44 clips on the last show. That's what she said. Oh, you had me at 44 clips. Mm -hmm. Well, let me see. Uh, Today, we're looking at 50 plus. Is it 50? Yeah, because you got some A's and B's in here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think I think you're close to fifty, uh, maybe forty. Nah, maybe forty-seven. Forty. That's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, it's forty-three. Yeah, I'm doing better. Daniel Fletcher, thirty-five. <laughs> I, I think, you, think you missed Adrian, though. You're gonna get a oh, oh, I'm sorry. Yes, Adrian. He's a combined. Yes, he's a, yes, a, yes. a multi donator. So we have to give mistake. him a special My mistake. Adrian Romanello, uh, in, indeed, came in with forty-five total. Says eighty-one was dope, dog. Thanks for everything that you do. Uh, thank you very much. We got Brandy and Daniel Fletcher. It says another great show. $35. Thank you. Chris Cohenor, uh, 3333. Drew Caver, 3333. Says keep poking holes in their narratives. Mo, thanks for staying strong in your convictions and choosing those over a paycheck from a corporation. Every time any of us comply, it makes it harder for our children in the future. Mo Carmer for all the true freedom fighters from Drew in uh, St. Uh, Louis, Missouri. <laughs> You've got Mo Let me see if I get this name right. Sonu Danjal. Uh, thank you for the knowledge. Thirty-three, thirty-three. We appreciate that. Anthony Melliker uh, says, "No agenda may be the best podcast in the universe, but Mo Facts is the most important podcast. Nothing will happen until the poor can come together and realize that we are being bamboozled by the rich." And all these in quotes, of course. I cannot remember off the top of my head if you've discussed Daryl Davis, but I see you of equal import mainly because you are still in the infancy of your journey. I hope Adam's call to arms was flooded you with donations. We've done done much better. Thank you. But know mm-hmm. that the greatest value of all is knowing that your listeners are taking what you say to heart and are changing their community for the better. Too bad you can't put the value into the pump. 
keep walking the path of truth, and our good spirits will always take care of you, Mo. Thank you for everything you've given me. Um, and hold on a second. Oh, is this, uh, Anthony is Uber Tramp from the live chat? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. So if we could get the same donations or better as today, then we're on a path. That's what I'm saying. I mean, it has, this is the baseline. So if you've not, if you, if you're a deadbeat, then please consider de-deadbeating yourself because this is what will keep us going. And, uh, and we know there's people out there listening and we know that you, that you place value on this because every minute you spend is, I would presume, valuable to you. So just consider sending that back. It does not matter how much it is as long as people are doing, I'm more, I'm more interested in how many people are supporting. The value that's is up to you. Yeah, the value is up to you, and that's the whole point. If you know, so we have uh, Christopher DiBiase, thirty-three dollars. That's valuable to him. That's all we need to know. Zachary Childers, the same. Eddie Martin, twenty-five. Malcolm Riley, twenty-five. Uh, Nicholas Wagenfeiler, twenty-five. Richard Shaler, twenty-five. Tom Bennett, twenty-five. These are great. Thank you. Uh, Vanessa Steinenbach. Keep going. Keep reminding everyone to support. We're here for you, and the reminders help shake the tree. $25. Thank you. William Torres, 25 We have twenty four ninety two combined from Eric Hoff, who's always looking forward to the next show. Sam Smock. <laughs> we know him. 2023. Incredible work, as always, he says. Gleb Radutsky, $20 combined. Owe you more. Keep it up, Mo and A. Uh, Cameron Claussen, $20. Dodge Gaskill, $20. He says it's for the LeBron James tweet. Holy crap, that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> Jacob Hernandez, 20 Jill Woods, 20 Robert D. Dunbar, 20 uh, Zyman Libazuski, $20. Thrift Store eBay, I always love that. Monthly subscription, appreciate it. <laughs> David T. Vargas, 1993 he says, sorry, dudes, here's a cut of a particularly good pay period. I appreciate your company while I'm running around the lab. This is what we like. Thank you so much. This is truly directly from your check. It's appreciated. Blake Gilson, 15. I'm Owen Adam. Thank you for the insight. All the things I've been blind to for far too long. You're doing God's work. Much love and respect from Blake in Connecticut. Yeah, Malcolm's work for sure. Joel Villanueva. $12 anonymous from Northern VA, eleven eleven. The Collection Project, $11. Love you, Mo. You're a G-damned vanguard and a multidimensional treasure. Know that this offering is a tiny reflection of my massive appreciation for you. Love that. LTH, ten twelve. Wish I could contribute more, but the pandemic rendered me heavily underfunded. Love to all the facts fam and the producers. Sir Donald Winkler, Baron of the No Agenda Roundtable. Honesty, love it. Thank you for the for the for the for the for your treasure, man, for your value. Andrew Butterfield, ten. James Holly, ten. Jeremy Cavanaugh, ten. John Alex, ten. Merlin, ten. Mike McCoy, ten. He says because I care enough to try to do the work. Extra fin for Adam's sad puppy. <clears throat> sad puppy's a real thing, man. Stephen Schnelker, ten. Danny Archer, nine seventy eight. Mark Asher, nine eighteen. Matthew Cargo. 739 and he says i think i may have figured out this sats thing love the show g-man from michigan yes well we saw him come in earlier um chad seeker five dollars delia bancroft five william hawthorne five yarborough five and routing it out there he is terry the human subscription keller with four dollars and eleven cents and we really appreciate every single one of you thank you for supporting the show Thank you for hearing the clarion call. Keep it up. 
Uh, I'll, I will personally keep reminding you before a new show drops, it's really important to get your value in, uh, not only to uh, actually make the fax machine, uh, to power the fax machine, but it's also very motivational. Um, mm-hmm. it just just the, the number of people, not as much the amounts. Thank you all so much for supporting MoFax with Adam Curry, episode number 82. Again, you can uh, do this uh, with the modern uh, podcast apps you should really should be using one new podcast apps.com they're all free to use uh, or go to mofax.com go to the donation page and consider supporting us for the next episode 83 again thank you for sponsoring supporting and loving with your value mofax with adam curry all right so now we get to the final portion of this show and the whole reason i did this show well good. See, well, good. Well, <laughs> good. We're I ready. I don't want to see people die alone. Trust me. And and for all you hate, love Kevin Samuel, hate him. You know, saying whatever. He makes a valid point. This life is not to be meant to live live alone, and it's definitely not meant to die alone. So I have this dating coach that's basically saying the same thing he's saying. This is Logan Yuri. And she's on, I think, with a CBS in the morning. And she's going to talk about basically how not to die alone. According to the dating app Hinge, 75% of their users are looking for and ready for a relationship. There's a new book. It's called How to Not Die Alone, The Surprising Science That Will Help You Find Love. And it applies concepts from behavioral science to dating. It's written by Logan Yuri. She's a behavioral scientist and the director of relationship science at Hinge. Yes, it is a science. Apparently, yeah. that's lesson number one. Uh, the book is terrific. Uh, I love it. I actually want to give a copy to a friend who I think is dating the wrong person. <laughs> you'll tell me if that's rude. If you say the name right now, you'll just address no. it. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah, go ahead. <laughs> but the, the, I think the foundational premise is really interesting, which is that love is not just a thing, or a, a, a winning relationship is not something that just happens by luck. You have to work for it, and you show people how. Yes, exactly. So love is natural. We're born knowing how to love, but we are not born knowing how to date. Dating is a skill, and you can get better at it, and I will teach you how to do that. Okay. Well, I love that she has vocal fry. (laughs) So dating is a skill, which I have no clue how to date, because I didn't really date. Um... What happened? What? Was, this, was this a shotgun wedding? What happened there, Mo? I mean... No, I just <laughs> met her on the 4th of July, uh, and we just kind of hung out. Oh, <laughs> oh, I love that. 4th of July meetings are the best. I like that. That's yeah. the best. That's kind Random, too. Random. Wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. Kissing under the fireworks? Actually, no. Oh. Because I met her. I didn't get her number. She didn't get my number, but oh. our friends exchanged numbers. So we... Had a second chance encounter due to them exchanging numbers. Wow. How random is that? You know what I'm saying? And that's. Well, I want everybody uh, to have that. I've learned. I've learned when you open yourself up, that's sometimes hand of God, brother. Right. And, and I want everybody to have somebody because that's how life is meant to be. Maybe you want to be alone. Who knows? But my point is increase your eyes. If that's what you want to have. And you heard her say it's the, it's their behavioral science. They're playing with our whole history and and of dealing with each other. And I mean that between the woman and man. There's behavioral scientists playing with this right now. Mm-hmm. 
and I just want to get back to uh, Logan Yuri. By, 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 by the way, I'm sorry to interrupt. Do you know the number one place where behavioral scientists work? Where? Silicon Valley. That should tell you everything you need to know. That's all they do. That's <laughs> They invented the likes. They invented everything. The profiling, it's all behavioral scientists. And that's why I say Naomi Wolf is not crazy. That's why I say Kevin Samuels is not crazy. And they're on to something. Maybe the delivery method is not the best. Or maybe not the... Uh, the way we do things to seek first to understand and be understood. But at the end of the day, I think this, this life is not meant to be lived alone. So let's go ahead and get into 37. And so part of getting better is first realizing what kind of dater you are. You say there are three types. What <laughs> yeah. are they? I love the, the tendencies. Yeah. So I worked with clients around the world. They're all really different, but I was like, there's something they all have in common. And it was unrealistic expectations. And so I categorized them into the three types. So the first type is the romanticizer. They love love. They're waiting for the soulmate, the meet cute, and they expect love to look a certain way. If it feels like work, you're doing it wrong. That's me. That's you. Okay. Yes. Hello, my name is Gail. Go ahead. We should talk about it. The second type is the maximizer. I get a lot of clients like this. They have unrealistic expectations of their partner. They think, I like her, but could she be 5% hotter, 5% more ambitious? They're just always trying to find the next best thing. And then the third type, which I've seen a lot of during the pandemic, is the hesitator. And they have unrealistic expectations of themselves. They're just saying, I'll date when I lose 10 pounds. I'll date when I have a new job. It's always, I'm not ready to date yet. They think they have to be 100% ready before they put themselves out yeah. there. And there never is a good time, you say. But Yeah. Hmm. So these are different kind of daters. And you heard one of them being the one with the un, uh, unrealistic expectations of their mate. Mm-hmm. Once again, Kevin was, <laughs> the godfather was right. I mean, he, but it's. He, but he wasn't a white woman. <laughs> We didn't say it politically correct, and we got to stop doing that. Expecting somebody to deliver a message, because I'm I'm guilty of it. You know, I might be sensational uh, sometimes just to get your attention, and then and then you know fill it out. I'm saying uh, with more details, but that's what we have to do when we're battling mainstream media. (laughs) I mean, that's what people don't understand. It's like no kidding. We're doing a job here, folks. I mean, we're battling for space in the media especially independent media so we had to stand out but at the same time you want to be entertained and informed and it's and it's a tough job um we don't have the benefit of being brought on a huge multi-billion dollar channel and given you know you know the opportunity to share our ideas so mm-hmm. let's go ahead and get into part three I want to tick off some things you Let's say. Let's do it. Social media leads to compare and despair. Prince Charming has morning breath, number one, doesn't exist, so look for someone named Larry. Never did that before. <laughs> yes. Sit next to rather than across from your date and look for a life partner, not a prom date. What do you mean? Yeah, so who's a prom date, right? There's someone who looks good in photos. You want to dance the night away with them. Maybe you want to have a little kiss or more at the end of the night. But you don't think, will this person pick up my kids from the dentist? And so it's fine to look for a prom date that's going to be light and fun but when you're looking for the person you want to spend your life with your criteria have to change 
Yeah. You say great relationships are built, not discovered. But what does that mean? So many You've of the people work I work this. with, they yeah. feel like when they meet the perfect person, it'll just feel right, right? Right. People say this thing, I know it when I see it. Yes. Well, actually, relationships are built. And so that's very empowering because then you can think, I'll meet someone great and build this great relationship with them. It's not about it feeling perfect from mm. the beginning. When it comes to fairy tales and romantic comedies, yeah. <laughs> it always starts with the spark. Yeah. There was a spark between us. Mm-hmm. You say that the spark is one of the most harmful ideas to dating. Why so? Nate, I've been looking for the spark. I know. <laughs> That's why I, I said. I know. I read this book. I'm doing everything wrong. <laughs> I mean, I love the spark too, but this is what was happening. I had this one client in particular. He would go out on dates and he would say, I met this guy. He was great. We had a really fun date. I'm never going to see him again. I would say, what are you talking about? This sounds like such a good date. He'd say, oh, I just didn't feel the spark. It's interesting. Between two guys. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was uh, looking at her website, and it starts off with a quiz with all of these questions. It's like, um, uh, do you need <laughs> Build to- a profile. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No, they're totally building a profile. That's interesting. That's interesting. So I guess this last clip, I just find it interesting that Gail admitted this on live television, but uh, this just shows you maybe how needy Gail is for a mate. <laughs> and that's why I say it's become such this such a harmful idea in dating. And there's three main myths of the spark. So the first one is that if you don't have the spark, it'll never grow. And that's just not true, right? People marry someone from work, someone from their office, yeah. someone from the building, right? The spark can grow over time. That's why you say go on second dates. Oh, yes. It doesn't seem right for the first one. Yeah. The I first date, people one. are nervous. Some people just don't shine on it. Uh-huh. So I'm reminded of the old hair club for men saying, I'm not only the president, I'm also a client. <laughs> yes. You apply your own lessons it's to your true. own love it's life, true. right? Yes. And how's that going? It's going great. And my husband gave me full permission to talk about it. Okay. You said there was no spark with your husband. You know, I said it was a slow burn. burn. Slow burn. What does that mean? A slow burn is someone where they're not shiny on the first date. They're not necessarily the most charismatic or knock you off your feet. But the more time you spend with them, the more you like them. And so wouldn't you rather have someone that gets better over time? Yes. It's honestly, our culture is very extrovert heavy. It's also for introverts. Some people just take time to warm up, but they're such good partners. You tell a great story about how you got to Scott because your first guy said, could you wait out to here outside of the club so I can go in and meet people? Don't come in with me. Reminds me of the time, Logan, I was holding onto the bumper of a guy Lincoln Continental was driving away. And I'm thinking, maybe he doesn't want to be with me. That's a true story, Gil? Yes. Yes. I was younger. I was younger. I was younger. He drove away, and I'm left in the parking lot with all my neighbors looking down at me. Yeah. All right, Gail. We all know about you and Oprah camping. All right. Stop. I I think that's a very insightful, maybe that's where some kind of the hate comes from with uh, Gail. Must be. Uh, Must be. That, that, for her to say that on live television, that was that was, that was a weird, weird confession. You know, there's so, one there's one other aspect of of mm-hmm. modern life and dating that I'm hearing, um, uh, at least from the the millennial women, the young women, uh, and it was mentioned in this clip with uh, the way work has changed to remote work, Zoom work. Uh, the workplace is not necessarily uh, an option anymore for meeting somebody. And, and also Me Too. And Me Too is a huge... A you got to think like, hey, bro, I'm not trying to put my job on the line. You know, Good just, point. Good point. 
Uh, all Which, all things that have made this this environment very toxic for dating, for finding the mate. Which I think is the, the desired outcome. Yes, I'm with you. And this is a tragedy. Uh, this next set of clips to go to show you that dying alone, um, the fact that you think everything, you have everything buttoned up in life, and but life comes at you fast. This is about a 55-year-old unemployed woman who, who was a very successful person uh, now faking, uh, faking normal. Now, our economics correspondent, Paul Salman, takes a look at what has become the new normal for many members of the aging middle class, financial fragility. It's part of his weekly series, Making Sense, which airs Thursdays on the NewsHour. Everybody is pretending. And that's why you call the book Faking Normal. Right. Because there's a lot of pressure to seem like you are doing well. Elizabeth White is not doing terribly well. As she painfully chronicles in the book she's just self-published, 55, unemployed, and faking normal. White's been on the edge of the financial cliff for years, even though you'd never know it from how she looks, or the Washington, D.C. townhouse she bought years ago, one she couldn't even dream of renting today. But you haven't been in a situation where you literally couldn't afford whatever it is, the condo fee or... Oh, absolutely, I have. I'm right now, have to park outside because I'm in arrears on the condo fee. Right now. And she's refinanced to the hilt, taking in a border. Well, you haven't used food stamps. But I have. I've had to. It's been quite a comeuppance for someone with her background. And this is a recent uh, piece? Uh, maybe four or five years mm, Okay, ago. Well, it's only worse now then, believe yeah, me. Yeah, pre-COVID. Yeah, this is pre-COVID. Yeah. So we pre, can't say Pre-inflation. <laughs> pre-massive inflation. Pre-massive inflation, pre-COVID, so we can't put it off on, oh, maybe this is a victim of... No, this is a victim of getting old and being alone, which I don't want for anybody. So let's get into 41. It's been quite a comeuppance for someone with her background. I have a bachelor's from Oberlin. I have a master's in international studies from John Hopkins. I have a Harvard MBA. I worked at the World Bank, came in through a program where they recruited 5,000 people. They took two Americans out of that 25. I was one of the Americans. But ultimately, White decided to leave the bank to start her own business. I had a chain of stores, of decorative home stores. Really? Yes. I sold uh, some of the things you see here, African-inspired products. I realized that there was an African-American market that wanted things in their home that reflected heritage and culture. If you wanted to give your little girl Black Ragnando, you couldn't easily find it. So I just curated that from mm -hmm. all over. So I then bet the ranch that I could get this going. So I took a lot of my, not all of it, but I took a big chunk of my uh, World Bank money to sort of fund this. Retirement savings. Savings. But it wasn't going, it was doing well, but I couldn't see my vendors of artists and producers were not going to be able to blow this out into a national mm -hmm. chain. We're already struggling uh, with volume. Did you sell your stores? No, closed it in the end. Just didn't, didn't oh. work. Oh, that's too bad.
55 unemployed. Mm. Bet on herself. And it's like I said, this is one of the things I'm facing myself. I'm betting on myself. But this is one of the things why Kevin Sainz was so inspirational to a lot of men. <laughs> he was 55, 54, reinventing himself over and over again, even with his channel, with his content. And he, you know, saying he was able to reach success. I mean, monetarily, but even he died alone. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? Like, oh, this is a real issue that nobody's really talking about because it's going to become more and more likely that you're not going to be able to live by yourself as you get older. That's going to be even increased even more. I'm hoping, like, one of my kids, like, you know. Looking at like which one are you gonna take in, take dad in, you know, which one are you gonna take mom in? Because... Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, I I've heard all the promises. Don't worry, I'll get you premium cable with high speed internet. Uh huh. Yeah, sure. This is where you better better on your skills of finding you a mate because <laughs> you because <laughs> kids are kids. I mean, yeah. they they're gonna grow up, and have their own life, and everything, you yep. know. Yep. And it's not really. It's not an obligation. You would think they would take care of you, but I think that's kind of how we got into this position that we're in. That a lot of people just, oh, my kids will take care of me. My kids are my retirement plan, mm. and that's a real that's a that's sketchy. It's sketchy and it's a bit manipulative mm-hmm. oh, because totally you shouldn't rely on your kids like that. So like the. Once no, it's, again, it's, it's I, even better. We tell our girls, we're an operation spend down. There'll be nothing left when we're dead. <laughs> so we're going to spend it all. Insurance now. <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're spending it all. We, we got it all timed out. By the time we're dead, there'll be nothing left. <laughs> I smoked the TV. <laughs> <laughs> said, well, here's my watch. You get that, kid. Here you go. <laughs> you can take it off my dead corpse. <laughs> but this cautionary tale let's go ahead and get into part three of this but steady consulting work allowed white to maintain an upper middle class lifestyle for a while until the crash of 08 within six months i went from you know probably close to 200 thousand dollars right to zero and after that the jobs of the past were nowhere to be found this is to me where the age discrimination piece oh yeah i find it much harder at this phase of life to get hired than i did earlier when they then ask you to fill out the application Mm -hmm. that's all algorithm driven you cannot leave off when you graduated from college and once you put that date in there then it's they know now as you get older by the way that used to be illegal uh and i'm sure it is but when i was uh running my company we, you know we were publicly listed at 700 employees i ran the new york office 125 it, and we had an hr department of course it is verboten it is against the law to ask someone how old they are so for the algos to then put in you know uh to force you to put in a date when you graduated is, in my opinion, illegal. 
based upon current labor laws. So, so is so is forced vaccination, but you <laughs> we see how that went. So I'm just pointing it out, Mo. Obviously, nah, they, can, they can do whatever the hell they want to do. That's what that's the point I'm trying to make. It's like yeah, no, it's true. <laughs> They know. Now, as you get older, your network also is not what it used to be. Because they're losing their jobs. They're losing their jobs. They are retiring. They're not hearing about things. They're winding down. People have died. So White has been scraping by with scattered freelance gigs. So sort of bits and pieces Mm -hmm. that allow me to cobble together uh, income. But nowhere near the income of the past. No, no. Not no. even close. No. I mean, again, I have years of, you know, under 30000 Yeah. Went from working from the World Bank to making under $30,000 a year. Still as bright as ever. I mean, knowledgeable. But we, we really got to look at this aging thing. And I've seen it, like, in, like I said, in corporate America, that they phase people out. Oh, it's, uh, it's it's worse than that. If you look at Silicon Valley, um, some of the, in my opinion, some of the best software developers are the ones that have experience, who mm-hmm. who have been around the block, who have, and you know they're fifty, fifty, sixty. Uh, they are shunned. They're almost laughed out the door. Whereas they're much better software developers because they have incredible experience with with stuff that you just can only really learn from experience. You can't really learn this type of stuff from a book necessarily, uh, and it's just it's shunned. It's and it's not even about money. It's not about they, money. They're paying people three hundred <laughs> grand a year in Silicon Valley for for software developers. But you're but, old. No, you you don't count. They look at your cultural impact. Yep. You know, what I'm saying uh, being you know maybe from a different generation. They look at to your cost to the healthcare. Mm-hmm. And then they look at, you know, three, like I said, I mean, money is a factor when you factor all three things out, you get phased out. So it's like, it's, the, it's kind of the same thing they're trying to run from or being a mate. <clears throat> you're going to be evaluated. Either you're going to be evaluated by a mate or you're going to be evaluated by a corporate, uh, a corporate uh, corporation. And like I said, I just find this to be an alarming tale of, Kevin Samuels being right, I think he knew this was the end for a lot of people because it probably was a reality for him. Him being 50-something years old, I mean, maybe <laughs> uh, podcasting and live streaming was his, his only option or one of his few only options. Now, he made the most of it. That's why I think it's, I mean, it's a, it's a you know, uh, good story for him. But yet and still, he still died alone. And 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 for people, and I'm saying this for people my age, maybe younger, uh, while you're still looking for somebody, go to a rest home. You know that that'll that'll rearrange <laughs> uh, your priorities. Well, there's another thing I did that this brings up, and this just says overall about society and comes back mm-hmm. to the to the depopulation that we started the show with. Look at how the old folks were treated in the old folks' homes. I'm talking about Washington State. I'm talking about New York City. These mm-hmm. were the first people to basically be killed. Certainly. To die alone. And Yes, alone. That's right. 
even people who weren't who were just in the hospital doesn't matter no family no nothing but they were you know the majority of people who died during covid or of covid or with covid were older people and i don't I, and i think a lot of it was poorly managed so yes this is there's an overall disdain you know that in some european countries they're already talking, uh, and this is part of a World Economic Forum program as well. It's like, you know, when you get, reach a certain age, you should consider maybe, you know, there's some options available because, you know, you, you, you've, you've, your use is no longer for this world. That's that calculation. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they're doing it in an unforced way. I mean, in a forced way by saying, well, you know, uh, you can die of loneliness. And and that was one of the things nobody really talked about from COVID as well. When you cut off from your grandkids, you cut off from your kids, you know, maybe your spouse is no longer living or you're living alone, you kind of lose the will to live. Mm. Um, but you've seen it, like I said, in Europe, these older people, are die, they actually die of loneliness because mm-hmm. nobody comes to check on them. Nobody, you know, calls, nobody, none of that. So, I mean, this is, and I don't hate that bum everybody out, but it, it, the point of this is to say, uh, I think Bobby Womack said it, find somebody while you still can. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, <laughs> that's the thing. Like, man, hey, life is too short. Find you somebody. It's going to be good to you, good for you. Uh, and, you know, hopefully this is not your reality. But I want to play this last clip um, of this set. And this is just... Get still, black man comes to the rescue. Help has come from unexpected sources, like neighborhood free spirit Elijah, a clothing minimalist. I was getting on the far side of where my mortgage company was getting, like, serious with me. Because you were behind in your behind. Bed. He just Lizzie, I'll, I'll do it. I can do it. But I'll do it, meaning I'll make up the yes i will i will do it and he'll pay pay your mortgage right so this is my elijah this is my yeah i'm I'm, I'm people's elijah the vietnam vet gets about nine hundred dollars in monthly benefits saves almost half i'm not a things person how much money you think i'm spending on my attire (laughs) okay As he says, I have a few friends like you who are in the stuff world, is what he calls. You're always getting into some kind of mishap. Grateful to get by, with a little help from her friends, White was also embarrassed. You're the loser. Mm. You know, how can you have this kind of background and be landing here? There must be something wrong with you. It has to be. So are you... I could have not started a business. I stayed at the World Bank, not taking that, you know, risk. But she did. Her reward? Financial fragility. Something she now shares with a surprisingly large portion of the former so-called middle class. Hmm. That's a story you don't hear about much. And Elijah is a friend of the show. Oh, really? I've spoken to him on the phone before. Huh. Because somebody that knows, that listens to the show knows him. And I've heard, I've had this clip for a year or so. Um, just sitting on it. And they were like, oh, I know Elijah. And I was like, oh, yeah. And I was like, I think I've seen him before. <laughs> and he, and I've actually, I talked to him when I was making my decision 
uh, you know, going through the whole vaccine thing. And like he gave me some good insight. Oh, but nice. yeah, it's just that like it's small world. No <laughs> small, very small no world. Kidding. But he like I said, he only makes nine hundred dollars a month. But he was able to help her. And see, this thing, that's what I'm saying, like, we're man, we're meant to be together. I don't I don't care like humans, we're meant to be together, whether it's you no know, what we do here on the show or having a spouse or a loved one or somebody. You know, and that's the greatest part about doing the show is when people write in and they say they listen to it with their, you know, their mom mm-hmm. or their spouse mm-hmm. or, you know, just creating something people can, you know, come around and and actually, you know, maybe start some debate or give some insight to each other. So it makes it all worthwhile. So who fills this void that uh, that Kevin Samuels has uh, has left? That's a good question. That's an excellent question. I don't think the way he, I, I don't think you can recreate what he, how he came about it. It was during COVID. It was doing, you know, everybody was doing some, you know, saying, uh, uh, soul searching and he just hit it the right time. Uh, but I don't think it needs to be one person. See, that's the thing about the, the independent media. It doesn't need to be one person. That's right. the whole problem with with uh, uh, the mainstream media, that they have these few talking heads. No, yep. we need to have multiple people and you saying do the heavy lifting together. That well, that would be my answer to it. Well, I, I think you're also doing some of it. I mean, you you this is a consistent part of your message, not as directly as this particular episode, but... I think you. I think you know this show fills some of that void to some right. degree, and that's that's the whole point. Is like, like I said, I'm always going to be pro family, um, because I know I understand the importance of it, and yeah. So I mean, hey, I'll I'll, I'll play my part. <laughs> I'll definitely play my part, and uh, you know, and and then bringing about a ceasefire in the gender war. That'll be it. That'll be it. Yeah, that would be a good one. That's a good goal to have. It's going to take some work. Well, as we always do, we got to say goodbye to the bad guy. We did it with 45 Savage, and we we lost the Godfather. So I'm saying we got to take one one last time, let the bad guy say goodbye. You're all a bunch of fucking assholes. (laughs) You know why? You don't have the guts to be what you want to be. You need people like me. You need people like me so you can point your fucking fingers and say, that's the bad guy. So, what I make you? Good? You're not good. You just know how to hide. How to lie. Me, I don't have that problem. Me, I always tell the truth. Even when I lie. So say good night to the bad guy. <laughs> Come on.
The last time you're going to see a bad guy like this again, let me tell you. <laughs> Classic Scarface. <laughs> Beautiful. And he was a. You might see him as a bad guy, but he was our bad guy. And he, was a, he would be sorely missed. You know what I'm saying? So, peace to the Godfather. Thank you, Mo. Uh, this was. Uh, I, I didn't expect the, the, this uh, this particular show, but now that we're at the end of it, it all makes sense because it really ties a lot together that we've been talking about for these past couple of years. Yeah, it it really does. It sure does. Thank you, brother. I really appreciate the work. Hey, it's, it's a pleasure. And as I always say. Pay attention to everything, and the truth will reveal itself. And know, Mo, that there's always a sandwich and a bed here in the Texas Hill Country for you and the family, no matter what happens. Hopefully I won't need it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everybody, thank you very much for uh, being here. Uh, We'll be back in uh, about 14 days. And please remember to support this show by going to mofax.com or directly to our donation page at mofundme.com. We'll see you soon for episode 83.